He paid like $115 for it. Shut up. The podcast is starting. That's what Derek would have said if Derek was here. Yeah. Derek's not here? I figured I'd break the news to the audience early. If you guys are here for Derek, you can dip out. No, don't do that. Nobody's here for Derek. Well, if they're here for Derek, Derek, yeah. then, you know, it's probably yeah. best. Okay. Anywho, welcome to another episode of Celluloid Breakdown. I'm Joey Bonnier. To the right of me is Sean Fall. Sean Fall. Across the table, special permanent guest, Tim Snow. Yes. Special permanent premium guest. Yeah. Well, no Derek today, unfortunately. I'm, I was going to say premiere. <laughs> if you donate to the podcast, you get to hear Tim's channel as well. Otherwise, it's just me and Joey. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I also, I was thinking uh, I should plug the, I, I do art on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not that good, but I do it. Um, no. I, I, what do you do to the art? I think it's quite good. Uh, no, I a lot of sketches and stuff like that. I'd like to work on painting a little more. Where might the people the find future. these arts? Um, I gotta remember, you know. You don't even know your own gram? Wow. I think it's at timothy.j. Quite the marketer. <laughs> he can't even insta his own gram. No. He still wants to start the podcast with a plug and he can't even do it. Jesus terrible Christ. marketer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> .snow at, at on the Instagram. Yeah. All right, check that out. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> Tim's art. Yeah, give give us money. So on the Patreon as well. Uh, th- on this podcast, it was a Tim pick. Oh yeah, yeah, I did pick it this week. Tim picked Cairo Station. Cairo Station. Yusuf Shaheen directed. Mm. Uh, Nineteen fifty eight release. Uh, Egypt. Um, <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> Start eight. Egypt. Nineteen forty eight. Moving Egypt. Fifty eight. <laughs> 58. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, you know, honestly, I was just, I, I, I've been kind of, uh, in my recent picks sort of just like, what, uh, what market haven't we seen something from? Or like, mm-hmm. you know, what culture haven't we seen something from? And I was just, you know, looking around and it's like Egypt. Oh yeah, sure. Just Why threw not? a dart at the map and said, Hey, give me your movie. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I threw a dart <laughs> at the map and it landed on homophobia. So I was like, Oh, oh Egypt. Okay, cool. Um, no, so uh, so I just was looking through lists of movies, and I saw this, and it looked interesting, and uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. I thought this movie was going to be dog shit, not going to lie. Um, I uh, very much enjoyed it. Why'd you pick it if you thought it was going to be dog shit? That's a good point. Was it the only Egypt movie you could find? No, honestly, I well, the movie looked good on, like, Reed, and then going into it, like... I don't know. I got really shell shocked with my uh, Germany Year Zero pick. Oh yeah, yeah. So you're just uh, so yeah. I'm always just pre- skittish. Yeah, I'm prepared <laughs> to like have to explain why I chose this movie. You've had other bad picks too. <laughs> don't pigeonhole yourself. You yeah, yeah. Come on. Don't sell um, yourself short. Not but, just uh, on the podcast. But yeah, no, no. I. Uh, what did you guys think of the movie? Well, um, I. Did not <clears throat> like it very much. Uh, it was it was okay actually. I, I, to be honest, it was better than I thought it was going to be at first. I, I when it started, it I was quite annoyed and bored, but it did pick up. It had some like kind of horror movie spooky moments, which I thought was very apropos for our Friday the Thirteenth podcast here. <laughs> um, Sean, how about you? Um, yeah, it was like 
uh, I expected worse and it was somehow living up to my expectations. I don't know. It was like, I, I expected bad and it was bad, but not bad in the way that I expected. Um, you thought it was bad? Eh, it wasn't great. I mean, it was um, certainly not uh, horrible. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it's, I, I don't even know how I feel about this movie. Like so I watched it. All right, well, let's go through it then. Yeah. You'll, you'll figure out your opinion as we go. Yeah, I suppose so. What's I up? suppose so. Oh, I was going to say, can you expound on like your annoyance with it? Overall, like why was I annoyed? Initially, you were saying you were kind of annoyed with it? Yeah, it just, it was boring. I was tired. I, I did each scene and was kind of lingering to me. I wasn't really into it. Mm. Um, I didn't, I don't know, just wasn't into it. It was like, it was very bouncy. It was like, it was almost like, here's this character. Here's a new character. It was very introduced, introductory. Yeah. So I couldn't really. There was no one to latch on to. Yeah, there was, that's kind of what I mean. Like, <clears throat> we were introduced to a guy that was supposed to be our hero, but we like quickly find out that he's not someone that we want to be with. He's an anti Yeah, but like, there, I don't know. It's, it, it's. Wasn't it's, quite that at first because he's like a street rat who you kind of sympathize with at first. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a really. In, I thought that was interesting. You know, it turned interesting at first. I mean, or sorry, eventually when he became a psychopath and a murderer and all these different. Oh, I thought things. I thought his whole arc was really interesting. It I don't is. Know. See, like that. It, that, it is interesting. It, it, yeah. But it, I'm telling. At first, it wasn't because it was like a traditional story that was told poorly. That's all. Oh. Uh, it turned into a very interesting story. Oh, see, I guess, yeah, because, like, I guess going into this, I, I knew that the movie was, I didn't know it was going to be about, like, murder. I had no idea that was coming. Well, what was the story, Tim? Um, well, you know, uh, here we are. <laughs> you know, it's 1958. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hot. Mm. But it's a dry heat because we're in Cairo. Mm. And not only are we in Cairo, we're in Cairo Station. Uh, no, so uh, the, the the this is kind of a you know a filmic stage play set in this Cairo train station where like you know people are constantly coming and going, and our main cast of characters are the people that inhabit this station on a daily basis. So you got your street urchins, and then you got your like more um, legitimate salesmen, and then you got your your you know uh, station attendants and stuff like that, train staff, and then police. Uh, and, uh, our kind of main character is this fellow named Kinawi. 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 Sure. Yeah. God damn it, Sean. <laughs> um, yeah, this guy, uh, this fellow named Kinawi, which is a, he's a street rat that got taken in by a newsstand operator. Uh, and he's a newspaper salesman. No, I'm trying to think of Kinawi. He, he's got... Je ne sais quoi. Neuroses. <laughs> oh, you're trying no. to think of a PC way to say it? Yeah. 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 I He's mean, special. Like, so, yeah. It, 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 you, you find out that... Uh, so, Kanawi's got this shed that he lives in inside the train station that he's just got filled up with, with uh, porn or so yeah. to speak, just like burlesque images of women and stuff like that. And he's got this really creepy relationship with him. Cutouts of pinup girls. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of this almost sort of a Dahmer-esque character or like a like a, a sort of, I don't know. I just got like seriously heavy serial killer-y vibes from the guy. Um, well, lots of close-ups of, or extreme close-ups of eyes. Of that, eyes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. No, I thought that was interesting, uh, the cinematography of that. 
But either way, uh, so he's got this fixation with a certain woman who's a uh, uh, she's kind of like an urchin salesman, a Pepsi she, salesman. Yeah, she sells black market soda pop <laughs> on the trains, much to the chagrin of the uh, legitimate uh, business operators. Of Such the train a taboo station. thing, so taboo. I know, I know. Fuck her for well, selling Pepsi. Well, not only well, does I mean, she sell Pepsi, she sells fun. Well, the same thing happens today on on the on the Blue Line mm. in L.A. You know, those kids with the, the fucking headphones, like the giant, like. You don't see that? I've never. I don't, oh, there's don't, kids that like ha- they sell headphones and and soda and chips and shit on the on the subways. Mm. Yeah. What's with the headphones? Uh, they just have like huge stacks of them. I assume they buy them in bulk and then sell them individually on the street for profit. Oh, yeah, they're super cheap headphones. Oh, it's uh, just like for emergency people yeah. that like. But so Kanawi, uh, uh. <laughs> Develops a fixation uh, with this urchin girl, the Pepsi girl, who's getting married to Anuma. a a, uh, uh, a legitimate businessman named uh, Abu. Yeah, because her name's Hanuma, and then he's Abu Sari. Yes, Abu Sari. Abu Sari, uh, and he's fomenting insurrection to form a union. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that kind of doesn't get followed through necessarily as a plot line. Wish that was an wish. interesting. That yeah yeah. So there was this whole. Well, Back and forth. Well, there's this whole, like, yeah, workers' rights uh, Mm -hmm. subplot going on between Abu Sari and his, like, workplace, uh, the train station, because he worked for the train station. Yeah, well, that that does get eventually paid off because he gets the government to show up to, apparently, what I gathered was the government was the one that, like, sanctions the union. So, like, he got the government, and that's why everyone was signing up at the end, because they had to sign up for the government union or whatever. Hmm. I mean, I guess it kind of pays off. So there, it does, I mean, yeah, it, it does. Like you know, yeah, it's it's, arc, just, it's but, ancillary. It's a yeah, exactly. Quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Completely. ancillary at best. Yes. Um, and oddly ineffectual. Uh, but well, uh, but either way, so they've got this whole subplot of like you know workers' rights and class struggle and so on and so forth, which I thought was super interesting until it went nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Felt like it on the waterfront, and then it just kind of fell on its fucking face. Fucking right, dude. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Which is very on the waterfront. <laughs> you know what's weird? I have yet to see a good movie about labor unions. Honest to goodness, uh, yeah. Norma Ray. The left, the left can't film. <laughs> we were Why joking can't about do? the the subreddit, the right can't meme earlier because mm. Fawcast Studios goes uh, on Reddit. Um, <laughs> don't be putting that shit on the studio. <laughs> Fuck that studio. No way it takes responsibility for right. that. Yeah. yeah. At Timothy.j.snow <laughs> on uh, Instagram goes on Reddit. Um, but uh, no, either way. So develops a fixation with this girl. He's following her around. Yep. He sees her changing. It's spies on her. Yeah. He's spying on her. It's weird. Uh, and then they're like, oh, it's the 50s. It's cool. Uh, yeah. And that goes. He's un- just a gimp. It's okay. Yeah, it goes unpunished. She, well, she tells her man Abu Said, yeah. and they're kind of like the way they treat it is interesting because they's like uh he's simple. Yeah, let's so let to be nice him. to him. Yeah, because if you're mean to him, who knows what he might do? Yeah. And at this point in the movie, they start like just you know it kind of felt a little out of the blue for me. Um, they start instantly hinting that he's like, oh, this guy's capable of murder. Yeah. And somebody talks to him about a serial killer that stuffs a body in a box, and he's just like, 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like the elements were all here for a good story. It's just like yeah. they came together so handsome. I thought it was done pretty well for the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, so 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 he goes and buys a butcher's knife from a stand As one and does. then sets up a lady trap. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean by lady trap? So it's complete with Acme on the side. Full on, straight out of a Looney Tune. He sets up a he sets up a shipping crate sideways. (laughs) Jesus, a man-sized shipping crate (coughs) that he measures. He measures it. So he 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 gets this shipping crate. It makes a big production out of dragging it all the way across town. Measures it to make sure that it'll fit a body, props the door open, <laughs> and then puts a gold necklace on the hinge. Like, like here, lady, 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 lady. <laughs> and then he and then he goes to proceed to like like try and talk his victim into coming back and meeting him there. Uh he goes and he speaks to Hanumi, uh, who's like kind of playing his game at this point. It's very, you know, just like Oh, you know, it's it's on you, Hanumi, to to soothe your attacker. Um and uh a lot of victim blaming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is not a very woke film. Uh but uh so either way, Hanumi rightfully has the fucking creeps about this dude and sends her friend to go do this instead. Unlucky for her friend. Could we quickly talk about that for one second? Oh, certainly. Uh, <laughs> Hanuma telling her friend to go do that. Mm-hmm. Did she have an idea that her friend was going into danger? She obviously knew something was fucked up. That's I why think, she didn't want to go. Think, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, think, I think her idea was like, if she goes, nothing will happen. Uh, right, right. He's because he's not obsessed with her. The yeah. worst, well, she doesn't expect him to fucking murder her and no, no. stuff her in a trunk. She expects him to like Final probably order, yeah. Yeah, like R word her at best. Yeah. You know, trigger warning. What? Wait, wait, wait. The warning's supposed to come before the R word. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't even understand that usage of it, but okay. What? Jesus Christ. Oh, that's the R word. Okay. I thought I was thinking the other one. Why'd you make me say that? Sorry. Actually, the one you said is allowable. Now we have to trigger warning the episode. How many R words are there? You can say rape on a podcast. You can say whatever the fuck you want on this goddamn con. That's true, too. Yeah, that's true. You can say whatever you want. You fucking goddamn cunt. All right. <laughs> All right, either way. So, whatever, whatever. Okay, guys. So Hanuma's like, like, oh, man, I got a really bad feeling. Hey, friend. Uh, poor yeah. friend. You What's know, her name? I don't know. But I How, assume oh. she's probably like the one that no one else in the group wants to call first. <laughs> you know, just like, hey, hey, you're expendable. Come on. Well, she um, was the most like up and dancing in that one yeah, scene. Yeah, I loved her dance. She, she was did, awesome. Yeah, she was awesome. I forgot about that camera time she had. She yeah. was cool. She but, was the uh, party one. Yeah, but either way, so she sends her friend in her stead to go yeah. pick up the- uh, uh, The busket. Yeah, it's- Oh, so so in addition to setting up the lady trap, <laughs> he also has her bucket that she sells soda pops from. And apparently buckets are just like, man, they're fucking hard to come by. <laughs> they are rare. They are a rare commodity. It goes buckets, oil, gold. Absolutely. So uh, so she's going to get this bucket for her friend, and he does not seem to understand that she's not Hanuma. 
and he kills her. Even Anyways. though it's a completely different size, yeah. different so hair. She, yep, 100%. Sean, she, <laughs> ignore that. Uh, so she, like, w- walks up to the lady trap. To the lady trap. <laughs> he tackles her, he murders her, and stuffs her in the box. He, and sta- then he stabs her. Stabs yeah. her. Well, but, he... When, I'm sorry. trying to build suspense. Joseph. Joseph Gordon Bonnier. <laughs> it uh, is now. Yeah, it is now. Um, uh, so either way, uh, so he stabs her, throws her in the fucking trunk, and then they put her on the train, and they send her away. And he never <laughs> looks at her. <laughs> he never looks at her. Um, yeah. And so the he hair thinks, is a completely different color. He thinks that he's done this like murder and gotten away with it. Uh, so he goes back to his apartment and uh, his shed. His shed, his like little hovel, yeah. um, and starts uh, treating a cat like Hanuma and <sighs> promising it this things. And it's a, there's a very sexually charged scene between him and this cat. Um, and and I thought it was very tastefully done. And uh, wait, wait, wait. I think you're giving the wrong impression. <laughs> no, I'm just being a piece of shit. I'm kidding. Um, no, uh, so. <clears throat> he he does like start talking to this cat like it's Hanuma, the woman he thinks he just killed. Um, and then as this scene is progressing, he sees that Hanuma's there. And in this time, the uh the cops the cops find the body because he's supposed to deliver a trunk or something like that. I'm missing some plot. It's fine, here. it's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're good. You're uh, so the cops find the body. There's a, a bit of a fight ensues. Somehow this translates to a chase on the train between him and her alone, separated yeah. from everyone else. Yeah. While everyone else is looking for them, the 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 suspense was really good in this uh, in this sequence. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty well done. Um, the action stuff was was uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so. They, like John Wick. Yeah, you know, kind of a hide-and-seek thing on the train. He's looking for her. She's hiding. Her her bow is searching for them and blah, blah, blah. They end up on the train tracks behind the train, and, you know, it's a whole big thing. The train's, oh, is it going to run them over? I don't know. And, <laughs> and then it ends, and he gets put in a straitjacket and carried away because he went crazy. Yep. There's a touching scene between him and the newsstand man, kind of wrapping up their character arc a bit. Um, fade to black. And then, no, no, sir. This movie does not fade to oh, black. Hard, hard cut to black. <laughs> hard cuts to menu. <laughs> hard cut to DVD so, menu. So, like, the, the character arcs wrap up with this. Everything's kind of, like, wrapping up, and you can tell that it's kind of going to be the end of the movie. And, ah, it's over. <laughs> it just, she's standing on the platform. I think he's walking up to her, and he's a about to sweep her off her feet, and then the movie's over. And the thing is, is I got this DVD from like the place we work for, so it's like a, it's it's an official DVD. Okay, that was a look. Yeah, uh, continue. It's an official DVD. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it, it, somebody made this cut. Yeah. No, it's yeah. why does it end that quick? I, I, I agree with you. It ended too quickly. Yeah. yeah. But I think it was interesting, the ending. We'll talk about it maybe later. But the, the French girl who's sitting there, standing there. 
looking out. Until yeah, that never paid that's, off. Oh, shit. No, 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 no. That's what it was. I wonder what that meant, though. I wonder what that well, meant. Well, let's save that. Let's talk. Do you want to talk about okay, No, no, that's, that's, a, that's a story. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is like a, a small little subplot, sub-subplot that you see throughout the film. There's this uh, very not dapper young lad with one eyebrow. <laughs> Unibrow? Splayed across his entire face. Well, you don't think he's dapper? What? I think he is dapper. Maybe with a little oh, manscaping. Man. Yeah. Oh, I, besides his unibrow, who cares? His sexy unibrow. That's true. Seriously. Yeah, he does kind of work it. Um, it's about the confidence. It really is. Well, um, he's wearing good clothes. Well, I mean, I think you were just impressed with the car he came out of. Okay, there you go. I like nice things. Yeah. Cars, threads. He did have Sweeping some pretty me off dope. My feet. He, he had some dope threads. Yeah. He some Anywho, boss threads. He, um, he's in a, a, a little... Lovey relationship. Yeah, he's got he's got a bit of a, a bit of a thing going with a with a village girl, and it seems to be that he's not long for. Um, because they always meet at this train station, but she's French. Oh, she's French. Do yeah. we know that? Yeah, she speaks French. Okay. okay, so like half the people in this film speak yeah, French, and the other half speak Egyptian Arabic. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> yes. I concur. Yeah, like, <laughs> see if, if you donate to the Patreon, you can you can you can watch us do this when we eventually turn in, into a filmed podcast, oh, and you can see the this. the looks where Joey kind of kind of throws me a treat. Do you know how much it would be to shoot this on film? When I do good. What? Do you know how much it would cost to shoot this on film? Video tape. <laughs> No, that's not even what... What do you call it these days? The only podcast with grain. Video? <laughs> do you video it? We video it. Record it? Yeah. Rolling. Roll. You, well, you record... This is recorded. You see me rolling. They hate it. Uh, Come on. They hoping that they catch me riding dirty? It's white and nerdy. Oh, sorry. Christ. This episode is going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was until a few seconds ago. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but either way, um, back on track. Sure. Ooh, the train track. Nice. Back on Choo -choo. the track to Cairo Station. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think let's talk about some of these characters. Well, mm -hmm. I, or you want to get back to the French girl? Well, yeah, I mean, just finish up with the French girl thing. Yeah. Like, the, uh, you know, the guy finally shows up in his dapper threads and car and they get a couple minutes together and then eventually he hops on the train and she says goodbye to him and, she, and that's like the whole thing like you're thinking that there's going to be something either our quinoa dude is going to kill the french girl or the french unibrow dude is going to find the body well, he, or there's going to be some sort of crossover yeah. or something but like okay so nothing he's, no, he's, there's no reason and, for this subplot. She's on, the me, final frame too, let me try the to girl. Okay, so I think, uh, if I have to guess, I think it's a great- Just a red herring? I think it's a big, overly symbolic thing about uh, Western culture and Egyptian culture, because she's French and white and he's Egyptian. Mm. And it's like they're always kind of close together, but they're never quite meeting. They're kind of far apart. At the end, they kind of- Again, I'm stretching. Yeah, I think you're- But I don't know what else <laughs> there is, because I'm, I'm yeah. looking for extra meaning there, because I don't understand how it fits. Yeah. I really don't. It's, yeah. I think it's just like I I I assume I always don't attribute as m I try not to attribute too much logic into decisions like that because I don't see that 
in a lot of decision, like decision making in filmmaking that I've seen. Where like you, people don't go in with like I'm gonna make this grand thing. It's like you know they go in and and it's like oh no I'm gonna put this here because it, I think this will play nicely off of this, and it well, has an effect that is not intended necessarily. Well, it's the d- difference between having an overarching theme and yeah, like putting I, together well, the puzzle I, of a I narrative. Think that, I, I think simple enough that this whole film is about like flawed and failed relationships and that was kind of like the control the controlled variable oh i see okay i can see that but i I just don't think we got much there because all we got was that overheard conversation on the phone from when quinoa was nawi i know i was using (laughs) his little nickname i i get what you're saying but it's just so inconsistent that it feels like just bad filmmaking at that point like it if, might be. if the whole thing was like discharred and kind of like little vignettes of like moments of relationships and like, you yes. know, Sorry. circling around this train station there, and like there are seeing a lot of different, you know, nets or like, like bits and pieces of the web. I don't know. There are, Threads. I think there's two very main characters and then like a couple of peaks at some other people. And like, like mm. I said, it just feels like it's, it's inconsistent in that, like it, that if we had another two, maybe three more of those like little side stories that have like things mm-hmm. going on around mm-hmm. in the train station. And like, this is just a larger world that we happen to be in. I would buy that more, but like we have the quinoa story and then we have like that thing. And then there's kind of this union thing and like all of these stories, none well, of them no, really I mean, pay like, off. There's and, like, the love story between, uh, uh, fucking, what, what was her name? Who Hanumi? Hanuma. Hanuma. Mm-hmm. There was the love story between Hanuma and also, uh, Abu al-Sari or whatever. Abu Sari. Abu Sari. Um, <laughs> no, thank you for correcting me. I want to get, I want to get these names right. I'm not, I'm not even trying. I am. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, I, I just, you know, I thought that there was a lot going on there. You know, there, there was a lot of different stuff going on. There was it, the whole story between these girls and stuff like that. I thought it was kind of a, it a, makes sense on paper, but just bit, in execution, it didn't I work. think it was a more well-rounded ensemble piece than you're giving it credit for personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I understand. And you have the right to say those no, things. No, I, I will fight <laughs> to the death. You're right I, I think, to say what you're saying. I think, sh- I think actually I agree more with Sean on this one because I think mm. it, it was set up well, but I think it, it's this kind of movie needs like two hours, two and a half hours for the, the amount of story, the amount of characters. Yeah, it did it's come a, in, what was it, 74 minutes? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah, a lot shorter than I even yeah. thought it was. It's just, oh, uh, it's, seven, you 70, the it's 77, case, 77 minutes. 77 minutes. So, I think yeah, this cut was 74. Either way, that's very short. Seventy-four for the minutes. Mom. Yeah, and, I, and that's short, man. Oh yeah, and because again, there's so many storylines, a lot of characters, there's a lot of plot for a lot fucking of plot. seventy-four minutes. And even though you're not in a lot of different places, it's still a lot of different yeah. parts of this of this you know the train station. Man, what a great what a great uh, uh, cover! What a great like poster. Do you want to describe it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you should. Well, can we? Is there a way that we could have that be the thumbnail? No. Well, piss. <laughs> uh, well, no, use your words, just, Tim. No, it's just really high contrast. Uh, uh, it's an image from the end. You won't notice until you watch the movie. 
of them as they're staring down the train that will uh, ostensibly kill them both. Um, and he's covered in oil? Or dirt, whatever. I think, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't know. It looks like blood. I assume that that's kind of the look they were going for. Yeah, there wasn't um, actually blood yet. It oh, wasn't yeah. actually blood Yeah, Diegetically, it was like oil from the track or or mud or something like that. But uh, yeah, Oh, really? No, I just, thought it was supposed to be blood. It's just really, you know, it's a super dark, noir-y kind of uh, cover. Just, you know, I don't know. I like... Uh, if you if you uh, uh, look at uh, my art page on uh, Instagram <laughs> at my bad sketches, you'll see a very clear trend on on the kind of shit that I'm into. So, well, um, okay, let's get into some of the other stuff. We can move on if that, that's okay with you guys. I think yeah, we sure. should move on to the uh, some of the characters and some of the acting. Absolutely, absolute. Uh, so, what did you think of Kinawi? Because guess who plays Kinawi? Ooh, Yusuf Shaheen. Get the fuck out of here, Noah. Yeah. Wow. Plays Kinawi. So I liked Kinawi as like I I I like these sort of um anti leading men characters. You know, like like uh kind of the the way Ben Mendelssohn can command a leading role. You know what I mean? You you sure. just you you he's not a a this uh, Yusuf Shaheen, um, while uh, I would say he's he's quite a filmmaker, I like it. Not a not a great looking dude, um, you know. So he's interesting to look at. He's interesting he's, to study. He's more in the Steve Buscemi. Yeah, well, he's got such a rich face because he's you know got a lot of peaks and valleys there. That uh, the amount of time you spend on him as a as a leading man, uh, screen time wise. It, it, it you know it makes for an interesting character study of him, um, but uh, I I uh, I liked his character well enough. I thought that the fucking hat was fucking stupid. He had this like really comical. I loved stage the fact that everyone wore a specific Portman hat. hat. Yes, with well, my face blindness, it was really easy to keep track of the characters because they all had go. very distinctive hats. There you go. Yeah, no, he, he so yeah, he had this like. Dickensian poor boy hat. It was like this, like uh, there. I I forget like what beanie. the name of this. There, there's this like. Yeah, it was a beanie. Is a beanie? Well, yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, there's this uh, uh uh children's show in Mexico that there's a a character who like is the quintessential poor man character, and he's got like a silly hat like that, and it just mm. it, it's ridiculous. Just it, in various states of dishevelment as the movie moves through. Yeah, well, stupid costume stuff like that that makes the movie hard to take seriously. Um, but uh, his performance as an actor I thought was great, especially having uh, just realized that he was also directing. Mm. Yeah, I, I kind of didn't put that together until I looked after the movie, yeah. um, but that's pretty impressive. It Actually, is. I thought overall it was a pretty good performance, especially physically, you know, maybe yeah. he kind of fucked up a little bit, but he had a, you know, fucked up leg and Yeah, he, he did the limp pretty well. He 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 was a a good classic villain before yeah. the, well, I don't know, you know. Well, I don't know about the, classic because he, because it was, it's more than, it's more not nuanced, I think. Yeah. Well, he was able to yeah, true. kind this, of get some empathy in the beginning and then kind of yeah. almost yeah. slowly work you into realizing that yeah. he's a creepo. Absolutely. This movie yeah. felt super modern to yeah. me in that way. I haven't obviously Joker hasn't come out yet, yeah, yeah. but I would I know I would compare it to that kind of psychological study. Now yeah. it's obviously not very 
uh, modern in its take on mental illness. You know, no, it's, not it, at all. You know, the stigma of it of how mentally ill becomes murder that kind of always turns violent is very present in this. And it did kind of bug me, um, but I get it. I, I think it's it's an old, you know, from the fifties where they didn't quite understand it. And yeah, you know, you just slap a straight jacket on, straight jacket on them, and put them, lock them away. And I was surprised they didn't come out with the butterfly nets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, that's uh, yeah, it wasn't that far off. Yeah. So yeah, apart from that, um, I think he did a good job at portraying. I guess a, a, you know a crazy person. At, yeah, he well, he did a good job at portraying. Uh, Kanawi. Yes, he, yes. He made an interesting character, you know, that had that had levels, That's you true. know, and was interesting, and and you believed the decisions that he made, even though a lot of them were really gross and weird. Um, you know, and it, that's what felt super modern to me about this is like, you know, a lot of modern movies kind of are like character studies of villains. And that's what this was, yeah. you know, it was a character study of a villain. And I thought it was dope, man. I fucking really liked it. Again, on, <laughs> on paper and conceptually, it all makes sense and it sounds good, but it just didn't work as a, a final product. If Derek was here, he would agree with me. It's true. He would. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I you know, honestly, crap. honestly, I think it has to do with like, uh, like, and this is probably just because Derek and I are both, we both live a little further up our own assholes mm -hmm. than you guys do, I think. Um, and it, it's just, it's a longer breath sort of a thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. These movies are slower. Sure. But they, you know, they're, they're much more rich in character and they have a lot more to say and there's a lot more to think about. You know, see, that's where I start to fucking have where, to push back because, no, like, all you have to do is just be patient. And no, it's sit. it's not that. It's it's it has nothing to do with the slowness of this movie. It has nothing to do with like the intellectualism of this movie. It has to do with the the execution of this movie. Mm. There is a you know, like I said, on paper, all of these concepts, all of these things, they they sound like they would be a good movie, and they sound like they're going to be what the Joker is. But it sound it, it, when we're actually watching this stuff, most of it comes across as very ham-fisted. Most of it comes across as very like yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just beating you over the head with things that should be. It is. Subtle. It is also like. And there is a complete lack of subtlety one in this. Thing, one thing that I, I will give you uh, throughout the film that I thought with a lot of these performances, speaking of the characters, um, namely from another character, the other main character that we should talk about next, uh, Esmeralda. What was her name? Ha Haruma. Hanuma. Hanuma. Sorry. Hanuma. Hanuma Numa girl? I'm going to pretend I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, no, so Hanuma... All of her scenes where she, where it was like definitely her scene, really felt like it's just, oh, okay, she's a stage actress. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, uh, play into the back of the crowd. A lot of this movie felt like a movie made by somebody who really had something going on in, in their noggin, and then they were surrounded by people that didn't have the expertise to pull off something super polished. I would actually compare this to a really smart Bollywood movie in that it's like they're forced sometimes by their form to do certain things. You know what I mean? Like, like, a, like, a, like, like, like for instance, in a Bollywood movie, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but, it, but you always kind of have to have a dance number, you know? Okay. 
So I think in this, they were almost like they had to have that musical number in the in the beginning middle where she like winks to the audience. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about Hanuma now. Yeah. yeah. The best part of the movie, you mean? I love that part. Well, I kind of want to talk about it later, but it is great. It's, 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 yeah. In the glissando corner? Yeah. <laughs> it has music in it, goddammit. My part. All right. Anyways. But uh, yeah, so Hanuma was, uh, she was fine. You know, her, her performance really was good for the back row too. Okay. You know, like she, she's a stage actress, obviously. Yeah. I thought she was and, good. And she, she was good. She was fine. Uh, it, it, everything that she did was just, I thought everything that she did could have been cut in half in, in terms of intensity. Um, and it would have been a much better performance. Um, but uh, let's give her her name. Her name is uh, Hind Rostrum. Hind Rostrum. Rostum. 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 Hind Rostum. So yeah, I thought her performance could have been much more muted, and it would have been much better for that. Uh, but you know, I didn't direct the movie. Um, her husband, I thought, was a was a very handsome man. Um, er, no, her soon to be husband. Yeah. Abu, Abu Sari, who uh, is a, uh, a he communist. He just there. Yeah, he's there. He's yeah. fine. Played by Farid he showed Sh- up. Shaki. Yeah, he's a, he's a Farid? Farid Shaki. Farid Shaki. Kind of plays a big, dumb, wife-beaten mook. Like, you know, he's going to organize a union. But, he didn't beat his know. wife. Uh, yeah, he does. Yeah, oh, he does? Yeah, he does. Oh, I thought yeah. that, that I thought that scene it, it was en- something else. It, it ends in sex, but he beats her before oh, that. No. It starts. Oh, well, as yeah, a, that's, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh Abu. Yeah. Yeah, Abu. <laughs> okay, yeah. That whole scene's fucked up. Oh my god. And then the, the bystander said Man, uh, I forgot about that. The the, innocent, the guy bystander who was like, what did he say? He was like, I can't wait to see her hear her beaten. He was like excited. Yeah, about yeah it. there was the guy that was excited, oh, and oh, then Quinoa was getting off his face with the white hat. Yeah. Face, yeah. yeah. Ah, man, that guy's a punk. Um, but uh, yeah, so he he was fine, other than the fact that he beats his wife and then like coerces well, her into sex. So he has also that compl- comp- complex part, well, but he also has the part with the labor unions, which is yeah. really, his monologue is fucking long in the beginning, where he has to talk about. Uh, how basically labor unions need to take control from the head honchos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, that really, it felt like a political plant by the director. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's <laughs> the only reason that whole arc exists is that the director was just like, we need fucking unions. <sighs> that was so shoehorned you know, into me. Honestly, it really it's was. Like, it didn't fit well in with the rest of the plot at all. What do you think, Sean? Well, now that yeah, you say it, like the whole color. movie just feels like it was kind of cobbled together bits and pieces of like messages in a bottle. Like he had kind of like all these little like concepts that he wanted to make sure that he like got out. Um, Are you guys familiar with Battlefield Earth? Uh, uh, yes, we. Yes, let's just say yes. So oh, this is going to be a long tangent. I'm on board. I'm, yeah, I'm on board right I'm now. Familiar we'll with we'll jump ship when we have to, but let's continue on board. The SS Sean Fox. Right on. Uh, so, Battlefield Earth, if you're unaware, is a uh, John Travolta project. It's a uh, ma- fucking amazing movie. <laughs> well, I love it. It's movie. like a huge bomb of a movie, but it was mainly like funded and made by Scientology. Nobody understands genius in this time. Well, if I mean, if you really uh, look into the movie, there are a lot of like sort of 
hidden Scientology things and like kind of messages to the future. Pizza, like they yeah. literally give you the coordinates for Fort Knox and things like that. Like, you know, it's kind of like supposed to be a, um, a time capsule sort of movie that like if people find it in a hundred years or whatever, there's yeah. information in there that they can use to help rebuild society sort of thing. To me, I kind of got that same vibe from this movie where it was like, it's more about like trying to, you know, kind of weave these themes in or weave in like these concepts and ideas that I want to illustrate more so than like weaving together a cohesive, decent story. I agree with what you're saying. I think your example is not quite great of Battlefield Earth, but I do agree with uh, yeah. what you're saying. I think, I, I, I think you, I agree with you in like a vacuum. <laughs> um, barring any other, like, I think that the reason he made the movie was because he wanted to make the movie. I feel like he, like that, that, the whole story arc is just poor restraint mm. on the part of the director to be impartial in the story. Maybe. You know? I, I just <clears> think <throat> the... I don't feel like the whole thing was an advertisement for his beliefs. Well, I, I, it almost feels more like a substrate, like something <clears throat> like he had these ideas, he wanted to put into, into a movie, and he's like, oh, I'll just make a movie about a train station because like, I can literally put any stories I want in a train station, and these people can literally espouse any ideals that I want them to have. I think that's true, but you're you, maybe you're looking at it in a more uh, a negative light. It's a very simplistic, yeah. Negative. Because I think he, the director, if you said that to him, he would say, oh, like, "I'm sure he'd slap me." No, he wouldn't slap you, but he'd say, <laughs> "Well, I don't. Maybe I would." But the thing is, he says, like in the beginning, I think the, the voiceover kind of gives it away, where he's talking about this is a train station. It's full of many different people mm -hmm. with many different lives. They're all intersecting. It's almost like Crash. Yeah. It's like how oh, I want to make this all-encompassing movie about all these different storylines coming together because of cars or trains. I totally get that, but he never makes me care about any one of the characters, and he Not never makes you. any one of these stories. In compelling enough to really care about other than quinoa's murder thing, which is still kind of handled like ham-fistedly and like not as like, I don't even know if I'm like, well, it's uh, fucking. Do you think that's the fault of the actors or do you think that's the fault of the filmmaker? No, in the end, it's always the fault of the filmmaker. Like the filmmaker chooses the actor, the filmmaker. What do you think was the failure of this movie then? The... The, like what failed to draw you in? What what didn't they do? They didn't first off establish characters that were either identifiable or likable or uh, truly uh, empathetic or anything that you could identify with. See? So there's no like they jump from character to character and situation to situation without actually taking the time to make the audience a part of that. Mm. So like even like the closest thing we have to getting to know people is the girls sitting around talking. But the girls sitting around talking All talk they do is talk about like their their plot. Exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah. like there's very expository. Exactly. And that's that's the problem with all of it because there's no it's all just about like actions. It's all just about plot. It's all about things. And we there's we don't get into, you know, the motivation of anyone. We don't get into the why of anyone. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't really develop into anyone's story. It is literally like sitting on a bench, just kind of like observing these things, that which it's can, it can be like, th that can also be a good movie too, but that's a completely different sort of execution as well. That's going to be more of like your, um, uh, American beauty sort of execution where it's all about yeah. that observation. I feel like Whereas this just like <clears throat> it, it rides that line where we're like,
like we're trying to be in with these people and then we get a really tight close-up shot that's like we're supposed to be in their face and you're shoving me in the face of someone that I like haven't met yet right. and I've only seen in a fucking super wide two shot before. Right. Yeah. That's fair. That's I, fair. Very, I, I actually completely agree with what he said, but yeah. I do. yeah. And in fact, the word I, I would have used is execution. Well, I, I feel like this, this movie's 15 movies before the movie that we want it to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so we're kind of watching, right. like, this is, this is the birth of that kind of movie. Not even. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not. It is in that market. You know it's what a, I mean? It's it, a, it is a a fledgling version of the type of movie that it could be. We, yes. you know, I see a lot of potential in this concept. I see a lot of potential in these characters, possibly, but it, it just doesn't work here. Hmm. Fair. Okay. Um, I think we can move on to a different topic. <laughs> Let, since we're talking about the actors, why don't we actually go to cast it today so we can kind of continue with this. Oh, shit. Mm. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I didn't really either. Okay. Well, Adrian Brody as the- uh, That's as a the, good- That's pretty good. The main as, guy. I mean, I was saying Charlie Day. He's my favorite. Oh, oh. We're making different movies. Yeah, But yeah. I love your choice yeah, there. Yeah, that's a good so, movie. I'd so see Joey that movie. <laughs> Joey mentioned earlier on, because like the movie really does follow this Kenawi character. And he lives in squalor in this train station yeah. as this kind of like beggar servant character that lives on the fringe and uh, um, lives on the fringe and like sells newspapers to get by and so on and so forth. And Joey had joked that like, oh my God, it's Charlie Kelly from uh, Always It's Sunny. Always Sunny in Philadelphia, of course. And he's chasing this specific woman around who wants nothing to do with him. So like it's it just really fit his his character. Um so our listeners that uh also watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which uh statistically probability, I think. Sure. They're into this. They're into it's sunny. a popular show. Yeah. Assholes yelling at each other? Come on. Yeah. If you're into black and white movies from the fifties, I'm sure you love fucking <laughs> 100%. No, people come to people come to the podcast for our personalities. Let's be well, real. Always Sunny is for gross but people yes. so if talking we're gonna... about stuff, getting drunk. True. Which is pretty much our podcast. Yeah. See? Not far off. Is Anywho. There? Sorry. Uh so yeah, no. Uh Charlie Kelly, smart cast. Absolutely. That'd be great. Um, but then you'd have to like it would just be like a long form episode of Sunny. So you'd have to put like Rob McElhenney in as it could be really tr dramatic. You can make it so the, to the, different terms. The I think it's stand owner would then be Danny DeVito because then you'd have that scene at the end where they have to talk. Like where now you're just redoing this as an episode of Always Sunny, yeah, exactly. but I'm totally down for that. Yeah, yeah. because no, like, um, Rickety Cricket is going to be the fucking uh, the guy with the the white hat, okay, the, the sure. turncoat guy sure, that sure, like sure. is cheering oh on God, the white. He meaning. absolutely is. No, 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 no. Maybe one of the McPoyles. Um. No, I feel like the McPoyles are the uh, the cops. Yes. Kind of like constantly yeah. chasing down, but yeah. like- I feel like, yeah. Know. Yeah, that's It really is perfect. And Dennis Reynolds would be Abu Siri. Yeah. Who's going yeah. out with the waitress for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, maybe, I mean, Dennis does have uh, relations using, with the waitress at yeah. points throughout the show. And he is quite the creep. And he is quite the creep. Quite the creep. Maybe we should write this one up. Yeah. Do a spec script. Yeah, we need to spec this one. Talk to the uh, Always Sunny people. Sweet. All right, cool. Does anyone know Glenn Howerton? Does anyone know Glenn Howerton? No, Glenn's a listener. And also my roommate does know Glenn Howerton. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, no. Fucking no. How, how does anybody know anybody in yeah. this industry? They just name drop because they've been in the same room together. Sorry, Jason. He doesn't listen. 
Just name drop Jason. That's yeah. really crazy, dude. He's my he's my roommate. I mean, that's a big name drop. Jason Cozier. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Talented. Jason Cozier. We're gonna have to beep that. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but either way, he did he did background on AP bio. Um okay. so he would see him on sets. So he could slip him our script? I maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So basically what I'm saying is there's a chance. There's a chance? There's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> I'm excited. All right. So no, but uh, uh, if I was going to cast it, uh, who did I say? Adrian Brody? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Chris Christopherson as the, uh, no, now I'm just listing the cast of the jacket. Um, the jacket? I don't know this. Oh, the jacket? All right, it's, mm. Jackal? So, jackal? Jackal? <laughs> jackal? It's a jackal. It's a jackal? It's a jackal. <laughs> Uh, no, so the jacket was like, there's, there was a whole bunch of movies made between like 2000 and 2006 that were all really? like gritty thrillers mm. that nobody saw. Oh, was this Val Kilmer? No, it's Adrian Brody, Chris Christopherson, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, I prefer Jason Lee. Yeah. So Adrian Brody plays, oh, uh, fucking Daniel Craig's in it too. Mm. Um, now you're talking. Yeah. Now we're cooking with gas. <laughs> Oh boy, Sean's in. Uh, no, but uh, so uh, Adrian Brody plays a, 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 a person in a psych ward who gets placed in this straitjacket and put into a morgue container. Mm. Um, as like a as like they would pump a body him full bag. Of they'd pump him full of drugs, put him into a body bag, and then put him into a morgue container as like a uh, 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 con convert. What's the fucking word? I'm gonna, Bit of a lexicological quandary over here. Jesus, I don't really know what you're trying to say. Con something? It's a con con con, uh, condensation. No, it's a con con. No, it's controversial. Jesus, (laughs) fuck. That's Samsonite. I was way off. (laughs) Jesus fucking. (laughs) Gentlemen, I know we just played a game, but we're going to play another game. Are you ready to play the most fabulous game there ever was on the internet? The game where I look up numbers and you guess the numbers and we guess the numbers and you guess who won the numbers. Are you ready to play? Yes, gross. It's going to be fun and great and wonderful. And oh my God, here we go. Thank you, Sean. Uh, Today, gentlemen, uh, we're going with serial killer movies. Serial killers. Okay. All right. So up first. Sounds of the Lambs. Two victims of traumatized childhoods become lovers and psychopathic serial murderers in separate, uh, irresponsibly glorified by the mass media. Natural born killers. This, this is 1994. Oliver Stone's natural born killers. Boo. Never Boo. seen it. Never seen this movie. You've never, this oh. movie is like the Quentin Tarantino version of, of, Cameron Crowe's singles. I believe Tarantino wrote the <laughs> story. Yeah. yeah, Tarantino is. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, this one also. They both st- suck, but in different ways. Stars Woody Harrelson, <laughs> Juliette Lewis, Tom Sizemore, Randy Dangerfield. Um, I remember kind of liking this movie, but like Oliver Stone's kind of a dick bag and kind of hard to keep. It's so over the top. Yeah, man. it's so over the top and so indulgent and so fucking stupid. Yeah. But All how right. much did it make in I say, 1994? How much, how much indeed Joey. did it make? I say 75 million. Oliver Stone was doing pretty well at that point in his career. How much do you think it made? Also, also, in the White House. What does that mean? America's in the green. Mm. Um, 
<laughs> I honestly, I can't back that up with any research. I don't know about politics. I don't know about economics in the nineties. Uh, either way, uh, no, I'm going to say like, I'm going to say, I want to go higher than that. I'm going to say 90 million. $90 million. I know I'm also supposed to come up with my number before. Yes. Yeah, Whatever. you are a cheating son of a bitch. But either way, it I fucked never- you in the ass on this one because this one came in at $50 million. Still more than it deserved. Uh, yeah, it had a uh, budget of $34 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's still not double. Like, double is kind of where you need to be because essentially, yeah, marketing is going to be double your whatever. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, tech, it most likely this was, what, $68 million then. So, it is still a loss. Yeah. But then we're, we're also not doing worldwide and right, right, and you know, DVD. yeah. This yeah. was I. I think this also was probably like not a super wide release, right? This um, was kind of a niche movie, wasn't it? Or was it was it a bigger box office? I think hit? it may have been because it was rated R and it was like a very controversial movie. Yeah, yeah that's R is thing. always harder to pull like, off. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's move on. All right. Two strangers who awaken in a room with no recollection of how they got there soon discover their pawns in a deadly game perpetrated by a notorious serial killer. In 2004, directed by James Wan, we have Saw. Directed by James Wan and photographed by (laughs) our friend David Armstrong. Friend of the show. Friend of the show and listener, David Armstrong. Hey, Dude. Dave. Hey, Dave out there. Applause, uh, please. Uh, nice clap. Uh, this one stars Carrie Elwes, Danny Glover. Carrie Ewells? Is it Ewells? Is it Ewells? How do you pronounce his name? I think he said it right. Oh, that's not Elwes. Elwes? Is it Elwes or is, is it, it Ewells? I've heard, I've heard it Ewells. Is it the same guy from fucking? No. Carrie Elwes is the guy from Robin Hood, Men and Tights. Oh, that yeah, is same yeah. Guy. He's from Men and Tights oh, okay. and, uh, yeah. and uh, Prin- Princess Bride. No, as far as I know, it's Elwes. He also uh, starred in the first movie I ever worked on. Really? Oh. Was it Saw? So? He didn't star. He was the villain. Maybe it's not really quite a star. So in 2004, gentlemen, what did Saw bring in? $118 million. $118 million, says Timmer. Wow. Uh, 87. $87 million, says Joey. And with a total production budget of $1.2 million, this thing was a runaway success at $55 million to Mr. Gross. That still is pretty crazy. Oh, no, compared shot, to the budget, still. that's fucking like, no, that for the is budget, exponential yeah. the fucking. Movie, the movie yeah. was groundbreaking, man. Mm. I remember watching that when it came out. Like, I was really young when it came out. I was probably in middle school. I remember watching it in my underpants on a, on, on a wooden chair in the kitchen because, like, I didn't want to get caught watching, like, that movie. The fuck? I was a child. How do any of those things prevent you from getting caught watching that movie? Nope. Nobody's going to go through the kitchen at 11 p.m. Copy that. Yeah, I'm not a terribly <laughs> sneaky kid. <laughs> All right. Uh, I wasn't a terribly sneaky kid. I'm not a terribly sneaky adult either. Gentlemen, a wealthy New York investment banking executive, Patrick Bateman, hides his alternate psych psychopathic ego from his co-workers and friends as he delivers deeper as he delves deeper into his violent er, and what forensic fantasies hedonistic fantasies there we go Dude. these things are i gotta get bigger you're shorten them up you're please for the love of this. god 
I didn't write these fucking things. No, I'm just reading the goddamn. I fucking, know. I know. So it's, well, no, no, finish. <laughs> oh, the problem is I usually get the taglines from Letterboxd, and they're usually much shorter and more concise than this. Unfortunately, Letterboxd was down tonight, so I've been pulling these off of the taglines from IMDb, which are uh, like more a little more verbose. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, uh, so we're, we're American Psycho. Yeah, American Psycho. <laughs> by, uh, All right, uh, I'm gonna guess forty-four million dollars. Jesus uh, fucking Christ. Thirty-two. 32. You're both way the fuck off. This thing took fuck. in $15 million. 15. 15. One that's five. Like still $14 million. It had a production budget of $7 million, So, you know, we, it, it, you know. I think we think I it's more popular like because it, it had a life afterward. I did not like that movie. It's a, yeah, it's a cult hit. It was not a big hit at, initially at all. It was big. It was a big rental. Yeah. A murderous soul with a hook for a hand is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic brand. Grad student, Jesus fuck, researching the monster's myth. In 1992, Bernard Rose directed Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> well, we're all going to die. All right. So, uh, yeah. 12. Um, we have uh, no one you've ever heard of in this movie. Clint Howard. Um, as we said. Is it really Clint Howard? No. No, no. He, he awesome. was in the ice cream, man. <laughs> I love Clint Howard. Uh, dude, I swear to God, I saw Clint Howard at the grocery store the other day. Well, then that mean mm. must have seen him because there's no one who looks like Clint Howard. That's the thing. I was walking in and so like, Clint, you're a listener. Um, I was walking in and, and he was standing near the succulents talking to somebody about said succulent. <laughs> and I was walking past and I thought, looks like Clint. And I was like, yeah, but he's got white hair and a beard. And I was like, Clint Howard would have white hair and a beard by now. It all checks out. It all. <laughs> Did he get the was... succulent? <clears throat> I went to go get my yogurt because I try not to be creepy when it comes to like spotting celebrities in the wild. Yes. Um, and by the time I got back, he had either shit or he had gotten off the pot. Mm. Anywho, $26 yeah. million. $26 million. Did says I make a Joey guess? For... You said 12. 1992's Candyman. I said it very quickly. I also like, I I don't know if it's $12 or $12 million. I'm not sure. This one also coincidentally shot shot by a friend of the show, Anthony Richmond. Tony. Yeah. uh, uh, Joey came in really close at $25 million. It's actually $25.7. So Joey's 26. Yeah. This was around the time that he was doing Sandlot then. Mm, Yeah, somewhere around there. So, wow. It's all in there. Uh, all right, gentlemen, last one on the docket for tonight, even though Joey is pretty much kicking your ass. Uh, a single mother gives her son as much so, so, ah, a much sought after doll for his birthday, only to discover that it is possessed by the soul of a serial killer. In 1988, directed by Tom Holland, we have the original Child's Play. Whoa, Spider-Man directed this? Yep. <laughs> um, so, Child's Play. Child's Play, 1988. Mm. And I don't think anyone I recognize is in this movie. $48 million. Uh, $48 million, says Tim Oh, God, that's way too much. I said 34. Sure. 
Joey. That's way too much still. Joey, 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 you are so fucking close again. This one was $33.2 million. Man. Tim Snow, Joey. On point. your god ass. Yeah. See, dude, it's hard wow. to talk. I'm so good. He couldn't even tell me I'm good. Yeah, yeah. You're so, you melted his brain. Yeah. That's been guess the gross. That has been <laughs> guess the gross. <laughs> Sean's so angry right now. This is great. Okay, so we're going to move on to my favorite topic, sound. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it means Tim's going to get up and rudely walk away. Anyways, so... No respect. <laughs> no respect for the sound, for the audio community. Anyways, I... The fuck was that? That was Rodney Dangerfield. That was a horrible was Dangerfield. Bad. He was real bad. He has never made that hand motion in any of his stand-up ever. You didn't ever. have to tell everyone that he it, did, it did the hand motion. That was like a uh, a, uh, a bad Italian like yeah. uh, 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 speech at a wedding or something. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> the, the clenched fingers kind of shaking... Close to the mouth, sort of manja, manja. Spicy, yeah, it wasn't quite spicy. Yeah. Okay. John, what did you think of the music? (laughs) (laughs) Um, some of it was inappropriate. Others was okay. Wow, that was exactly what I wrote down. (laughs) Questionable choices. Some too obvious. Some not quite right for each shot. Yeah, this inappropriate music at certain points. Yeah. And when it was Can appropriate- you describe the inappropriate music? There were like shots when he was like sneaking around and like watching her and it looked like he was about to kill her. And I even commented that the music was weird because it sounded like they were playing like fucking Tiny Tunes music or like fucking Looney Tunes music, more like it. Like he there was like this weird- some fucking a lady trap, okay? <laughs> it was from an Acme box. Yeah, yeah. dude. It, Maybe it, they, now that you're saying it, it makes me think they were trying to lighten up the mood maybe and try to keep it from being too dark did you guys see the new it yet it was uh no oh jesus i haven't seen the there is there is a moment in that movie that is like almost the pinnacle of what all this is i will just say i'll be your angel of the morning and leave it at that Mm. Hmm. left right there it has been left uh so let's talk about our favorite scene then because there was some good music and the train scene. When they, well, the train scene, there's a fucking ton of train scenes. Well, there's, the train there's two halves to that train scene, and one of them is weird. True. The first half, let's talk about it. First half's pretty dope. Is when we have, uh, you know, her, um, her, oh, shit, Hanu, Hanuma. 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 Hanuma, girl. Hanuma is running onto the train and she runs into a pretty a shindig, you know, a nice party. A shindig. A nice, good place to sell some cold soda. A great place. Everyone's hot. They're they're singing. They're no dancing. No better place. <laughs> no better place. <laughs> but I love the music because it was the perfect blend. It was the absolute melting pot of America of rock and roll in a one four five chord pattern played in a Egyptian style. Totally. It was very cool. It was a. Perf- I wrote those exact same notes down, dude. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. You know, it was almost as if Tarantino was like, hey, uh, let's make an Egyptian movie, but let's yeah. do some blues with it. So many arpeggios. Mm. You know, I, I get that you're being patronizing, but I'm not quite sure. I'm not 100%. <laughs> okay. Does oh. that mean that I, that I kind of got yeah, something was right? possibly close? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> But I think to me, and again, you guys kind of disagreed with me earlier about the uh, the French girl, but I think it is a lot of portrayals of, of Egyptian culture and not just portrayals. I mean, like these tug and the tug and pull of the, uh, you know, the 50s 
for coming from encroaching the Western culture, encroaching from the outside versus the old, you know, traditional, you know, Islamic yeah. culture. There did seem to be a lot more just Western culture influence in general than I expected going into this movie. Yeah, I I, th I felt like he was like Iran before I the feel Iran like revolution. Pre, was... pre 1975, that was really like, kind of like yeah, yeah. what was going on over there. You kind of forget that they like went through a a regression, I guess you would call it. Yeah. And then, like, well, I, I have to, yeah, I really like should a have. great a sleepening. <laughs> sure. I should have done more research here, but I think that this is right, obviously it's right after World War II, pretty much, 50s. So it, we're talking about post-colonial, yeah. you know, United Kingdom, British Empire yeah. stuff. So yeah. I'm pretty sure the British Empire owned Egypt, I believe, up until World War One or Two. Did I call this? Yeah, history. Yeah, we pretty, pretty we should have done I'm pretty some positive. History. Pretty positive of that. I, he's supposed to know this. No, I'm pretty. It's well, no, like so am I. <laughs> I just forget when the turnover yeah. was. I think it was after World War II. Not like, you. You're like fine. Balfour Declaration. I, I, I never. I never purported to, to know, know anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I said Balfour. That's after World War One. Either way. Jesus, get your shit together. Sorry. My Come on. My point is that it, it's interesting because we do see this side of Egypt that I wasn't expecting, which is this very modern culture. Yeah. Uh, not just the dancing, not just the music, but the way the women were dressing. They mm -hmm. also had a really cool scene where they had the women who were, well, I forget what the title was, the group. The anti-marriagists. The anti-marriage women. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the suffragists. Yeah, that, that was thing. really fascinating. And, you know, they had yeah, their own train. Suffrage. Sean. No. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to some of the sound. Um, well, actually, hold on. Before I move Speaking on. Speaking of suffered. Why did you think, Tim, why did you think that was the best scene in the movie? The dancing and music scene? I was being sarcastic. Uh, I don't <laughs> think it was the best scene in the movie. Wow. I really loved that scene. Okay. <sighs> I was not joking. I really did like that scene. No, nah, it was okay. Okay. It was fine. It just, it felt like, it felt like, to, to, to borrow a phrase from Sean, Ham-fisted. It felt a, you know, it felt like just, oh, we're gonna put a number in this in into this scene. Let's put a number in here, you know. Honestly, I was pretty okay with it. It until was very make the, him laugh to me, which okay. I don't respect. Okay, it was the wink at the camera that really yeah. fucking sent it. Over I think for without me. that, it would have been fine. Yep. It, it was. You're right. I it, I was perplexed by that. Yeah, I was too. It was fairly organic until that. It was an. It was such an interesting choice. Like I wonder what that meant. I, I th think she did it improvisationally. You think and so? And then they kept it in. Do you think so? I think she was like joking around, like la, 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 this is gonna be one jokey take where I look at the camera and I dance toward the camera. I'll have to email Yusuf. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what he says. He's not alive. Though. I thought it was for the Pepsi commercial Mikey. cut. <laughs> oh. He's not alive. Yes, pour one out for you. Jesus. Anywho. Um, <laughs> So but more about the sound. I think there was a couple moments where I really was pissed they didn't have Foley. It was weird. He, there was a moment where he dropped the knife yeah. and it was really dramatic and there was no sound of the knife. Yeah. That was weird. It's very important to not have sound in your final showdown. Yeah. Also- That's what that's what he learned from watching Tieflin. Well, if it made a sound, everyone would have turned and saw he had a knife. True. Can't have that. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't move the plot forward. Totally. So people- Always record sound on your insert shots. Dude. Always record sound on your insert shots. Oh my True. god! True. There was that uh, there, that uh, that effect that they tried to do with the knife as well. That was complete. Just didn't work at all. Where he grabbed the blade and he was. Oh god! Yeah, supposed to have blood running down, but like it totally fell off into shadow, and everything was like a twenty million to one lighting ratio. Why would he so, grab the knife? 
It was so like it was overly symbolic. It, it too. was very yeah yeah. That's and because it was slow, it was like slow point, motion, yeah. but he was holding a ketchup packet. Slow it was motion awkward. of things that weren't moving, and it yeah. was bad. Yeah. Um. Okay. The all the effects in this movie were left a little to be desired. <laughs> the action in this film was not great. Are we oh, still the- talking about sound? I kind of wanted to. Oh, honestly, oh, so no, to like, the, like that's a, this is a whole different topic. Well, Let's, no, but actually, to that point, especially the the worst bit of action in the entire movie, in my opinion, was the the fight scene with the uh, the fiance. Um, yeah, Option. when he was uh, working, we're making him cultured slowly. <laughs> when uh, when he was fighting off all the the police force and whatnot, like his fighting was horrible, and like they were huge, big whips. But the thing that was completely missing and would have sold like ninety percent of that scene would have been some good fucking sound, some decent foley, some fucking impacts, some hits, you know, some some well timed sound in that would have sold a lot of that scene. And it just like it looked extra ridiculous because of the complete lack of sound. Yeah. While you're saying that, go ahead and watch Rocky without yep. the sound. That is times. a fun time. <laughs> a fun, fun time. Watch those fights. It's uh, no no one makes contact. Never. Huge whiff. Anywho, um, apart from that, I thought the dialogue was absolutely god-awful. My lord. So yeah. much clipping, okay? I can't deal with that sometimes. I'm sorry. It's just a lot of clipping, a lot of distortion, a lot of peaking. And I get it. It's from the tape, and it's not as horrible as digital distortion of the modern days, but it was recorded that way. So there's nothing they really can do to save it, I guess. Someone needs to go in there and do some fucking mastering and remastering of this. I don't understand why it's so absolutely clippy. Were they just recording like plus three, plus five? Like I I feels like someone was just recording everything clipped the whole time. Yeah. It was it was horrible. But but I mean like to clip on analog is like yeah hard. <laughs> it, it made me think like they just hired some random dude who didn't know what he was talking doing. You know, and I guess it's possible. And mm. it, the thing is, it's you know I have no idea what it was like in the fifties in general. Make recording sound. I mean, I'm sure it was extremely difficult. Well, but like also the the thing the thing that I forgive this movie for because like you. You know, I, I agree with all of your guys' critiques, but I think that this was a great movie that was made in an emerging market that doesn't have a lot of expertise. You know, because like how you know how good sure. were the sound folks? You know, were the were the location soundies in in Egypt in 1958? Agreed. Yeah. You know, how good I, were the cinematographers over there? I you know, guess, what kind of but it's like industry. Did they have it all? You to know. me, that's like putting up a finger paint in a museum next to a Picasso and saying, uh, you know, that's what he had to work with and this was as good as he could do. I'm not well, saying that. Well, no. I mean, I just picked this because cool I wanted that. to watch like this. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, you're not wrong. You're just an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to that. <laughs> uh, the other big sound issue I had, though, was there was uh, some really inappropriate bad ADR. Uh, there was that one scene where like the one, it was- Wasn't it all bad ADR? Well, there was- mm, There's some scenes were fine. Yeah. Passable. But the, the one scene, it sounded like it was taking place in a kitchen. It was, uh, th- I think it was the scene where she was like getting the water in the bucket outside of the train. Oh yeah. But like the, uh, her voice was just so goddamn echoey. Like it was in, it, like the, the recording was just in some like empty apartment or something. Yeah. I think that is also bad reverb from the fifties. Not bad, but the primitive reverb. 
using plate reverb probably is what my guess. And it doesn't sound quite natural. It sounds like- So you think that was an intended effect that was applied think, to that yeah, to try and a, like- A poor effect. It's almost as if, you know, uh, you know, when they do Foley back in like the early, like Mickey Mouse movies, when they do Thunder, it's a symbol. Mm. That's what I compare it to. I think it's like, they don't quite know how to do it properly. Gotcha. So this is the closest so they can come to. I just need it distorted. And that's what they got. Yeah. Or we need we need some echo or reverb. This is yeah. the only technology <laughs> we, we have got. Two buttons. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. We, right we have a big fucking metal plate, and let's send the signal through it, and let's hope it sounds more echoey. Gotcha. Which is true. Um, and, and again, the, the tube technology of the fifties is really tough. Tube technology. All this, the amplification technology is so primitive. That is right before the the boom of the sixties, where they really did un- start to understand amplifiers. So I'm not going to start talking about that because I would nerd out. <laughs> but, Transistors. Yeah, that was late 60s. But either way, the point is that I forgive a lot of the technological problems. So anyways, about more of these technological problems, Sean, can you tell us <laughs> uh, some of the ways this movie fucked up the way it looked? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I'm here for. I uh, liked it. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to be wrong. Just sit there in your wrongness and be wrong. Um, no, I mean, my biggest issue with this movie is just the, um, the, the abrupt cuts from very wide to very tight. Um, we are in these like almost comedic wide shots and then they go for the close up, and the close up is like an amateurish fucking super wide angle lens, two inches away from our subject. Everything is completely distorted and like in your face. And I realize that is like. A, a specific style or choice, but cut right next to those super wide shots. It just helps to create a fucking disconnect. You're, you end up with the opposite result that you're intending. Normally when you do that super wide angle close shot, it's supposed to feel like someone's like whispering in your ear or like really close to that person. But going from like that super wide shot to that just feels like wrong and like intentionally creepy when it doesn't always need to be. Um, it, you know, it's supposed to feel intimate and it just comes across as like overbearing and threatening. Um, Do you and, think you know, it worked for I think that that was Kinawi? the point. Oh uh, yeah, uh, uh, or no, at least the, for some of the characters. right, right. There were a couple that it did, but like they 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 use that as the the sort of common cutting pattern for yeah. all of the characters. Oh, and well, if they yeah. had just like this is how we're going to raise tension. Exactly, and if they if they had used that selectively and chose the characters that they were going to show that intensely and intimately, mm-hmm. then that would have a lot more power to it. Maybe like loosen up on some of the more ancillary. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so if you you know basically if if uh, if all you have as a hammer every problem is a nail sort of thing like yeah, you know yeah, by yeah. using that same thing over and over again it loses the impact and it loses the power um beyond that the biggest note i have is just blocking um this movie is all about the wide shots and it's all about placement of the characters which is um you know i didn't get the feeling that people were looking down and looking for marks to hit but i definitely got the feeling that like everything was planned and the most precise part of the directing of this movie is where people need to stand. And to me, that is the wrong thing to focus on. That That's like the sort of amateur, technical, I don't know how to feel, or I don't know how to deal with emotion. So I'm going to concentrate on this, making sure that everyone is in the exact
exact right place. And when this thing happens, everyone shift and end up in the exact right place. Oh, now look over there and everyone shift again. Everyone take two steps to the right. And now everyone stop and in the exact right place. Like, it's just this weird sort of like um, almost square dance of an orchestration of the characters mm-hmm. where like, I, I, I respect the idea of the blocking and I respect the idea of the movement, but it's very, very stiff and it's very inorganic. And to me, that's just kind of like a, a fractal of this entire movie is that like, we have good base concepts, but everything is just like, without uh, without anything that is i don't know special or um uh, i guess um really given life it's like someone read the book of what to do and followed the instructions to create a recipe of a movie but didn't actually have the 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 underlying magic that it takes to really tell a compelling story I think it's actually really astute. Um, and I, it, may, it reminded me of a story from The West Wing where Richard Schiff would always say that um, when new directors would come in to mm. direct The West Wing, they would always have a blocking plan. And as soon as they would get there, uh, <laughs> it would be thrown out the window. And not only that, Richard Schiff would be pissed because Richard Schiff as an actor wants yeah. to make those decisions himself to be organic. And I totally get your point. It's like, you can totally block certain things. I mean, we've seen Hitchcock movies. You yeah. know, just watch Vertigo with one of the best blocking scenes like ever, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I think if you over do it and you force it on an actor, yep. you're right. It's, it's very obvious. It's like it's like how we're very um, attuned to see certain people's gait. Mm. You know, it's so we can kind of notice if someone even takes one or two steps strangely. And you also reminded me that too when we have the scene where they're where they're she basically pulls the um uh sorry who does she pull off the rails? I forget uh, of the train. Uh, when Hanuma's saving oh, that little, oh, the, the, boy. Yeah. the little boy. So that scene, you know, you noticed immediately that it was reversed, you know, in in shot because yeah. it because of the way she walked. Mm-hmm. The way she walked, yeah, and the way they picked him up. Yeah, for yeah. me it was the way they picked the boy off the train. Gotcha. Like that that was anti-gravity. <laughs> like, just, I'm, I'm just trying to try to make a connection here that these, it's very, it, it's, as soon as you fuck up the movement, it, mm. it really does fuck up the scene. It yep. just makes it inorganic and unnatural. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is, you know, it's, it, like I, I visually latched on to the boy being lifted, but it is the juxtaposition of all of those elements. Yeah. Like even if you're not paying attention to each individual element, like you well, know, you gonna, might not have seen it, but your brain your did. If you're characters like chess pieces, you better be able to play really, really fucking good chess. Yeah, exactly. That's a good, good call. <clears throat> um, Tim, what did you think about the way this looked? Did you did you like the shot selection? And did you appreciate? I the ca- thought it was counter- uh, so. This this whole movie is like like. Yep. Now that I just, <laughs> I just thought of my rating, and I don't want to burn it. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, this, the mm, no mm, eh. dead good, air. Good room time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I I thought it was jarring. I just got to say it was, the, it the, was yeah, it was fine. You okay. know, I mean, like it was it was. I really liked the intention of everything. I didn't, lo- I, I didn't, I, I forgave the execution of all of it, I guess. Okay. See, and because I think, it was my pick. Maybe it was just my bias of like wanting to like the movie that it was well, I think my that's, pick. That's the problem I yeah. have with. Because the- well, I, I thought it was interesting that it like, uh, you know, you'd kind of expect a movie that's, you know, uh, a studio picture from a market like this in Egypt to kind of, 
play it safe with a lot of stuff, but these like super extreme close-ups were interesting, you know? And I thought, you know, I, I'd rather watch somebody experiment and fail than play something safe and come up with a mediocre product. Okay. Um, so with all of that stuff, I, I understand what was jarring about it. And it was, you know, it's like listening to somebody sing while their voice is changing or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, the, okay. like they're fucking up, but like you, I, you really see the intent and you see the effort, you know? Yeah. Um, in- I think that's my problem with the way you and Derek both watch movies. Um, I, I get the impression that you guys are like watching the movie that's not there and judging it by like what elements they had to work with and what it could have been rather than like what actually we're sitting and what is actually presented to us. I, yeah, you know, I mean, I suppose it just has to do with our different perspectives or something like that, or like our different interests. I just feel like you're giving them credit for shit they didn't earn. No, I'm not giving them credit for shit they didn't earn. I'm giving them credit for their contribution to the narrative that we all share. That feels unearned. (laughs) That's interesting. I, you I, know, because like all of this, I'm, like film in, in in and of itself as a medium is just a, a giant social tapestry that everybody's kind of like got a needle on. You know what I mean? In that in that way, it's a very spacey way to think about it. But like, don't bring Kevin into this. <laughs> no, like I, I don't know. Does that make any sense at all, or am I just I'm, completely? Going I guess off I'm just very here? opposed to paying fifteen dollars to see someone's fucking experiment. By the time it gets to the big screen, you know, your experiment should be done and you should craft something that is worth watching. No, that that's a very reductive way to look at stuff. And it, it really like closes off the ability to come up with like diverse stories and diverse products and stuff like that. Cause then, then nobody's got the space or the ability to try something new. Well, yes, I'm all for trying something new, but I'm but also for pointing out when out. it like, fails. How, how are you going to get that to an audience? You know what I mean? No, no, that, that's fine, but I'm not giving it credit when it fails. When it fails, I'm going to point out and say, hey, no, that fucking failed. I'm not just going to say, oh, good job for trying. You almost made a good movie. Fuck no, it didn't work. Let's try something else. Sure. But let's, oh, you know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm recognizing what could have gone right. Right. And I, I, I'm not going to judge a movie on what they could have done right. I'm okay, man. <laughs> I, I think you guys are just prioritizing different Obviously, things. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is a good argument. I, I, I kind of actually on this one agree more with Sean yeah. on this specific movie. I don't know. I'm looking forward to listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some good stuff in it. Yeah. Right? All right. Um, Lively debate. Yeah. I think we're going to move on if that's okay, guys. Please. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. We're going to play a game. Where the hell is my, uh, do I have my God. intro? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, my intro. I, I got this okay. one. I don't got this one. Sean it. Just, don't have the button. It's called Guess the Oscar Pickery. Claiming my time. Okay. Reclaim. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we can't do 1958's Oscars because we did it before. And we're running out of years. We are running out of years. And I think actually we might have done this year before. I don't think so, though. We're going to do 1959. We'll talk about that. Break 60. 1960. We'll talk about that that later this episode. We've already broken 60. We've done it. We've broken 60 for Derek, um, because Derek is above the law, and uh, we break it for guests, because, you know, you let them do whatever they want. All right, well, we'll discuss it in the uh, after show. Yeah. Anywho, uh, let's talk about the best actor here, guys. We got Jimmy Stewart, 
Anatomy of a Murder. What's the year here? 1959. 59. Jack Lemmon, Some Like It Hot. Paul Mooney, The Last Angry Man. Charlton Heston, Ben-Hur. Lawrence Harvey, Room at the Top. I'm going to go with my guy. The one that won. James Stewart? Go with my guy, Jimmy Stewart. Okay. I was blanking uh, on his name. That's why I was pausing. Ben-Hur. And Sean gets it. It's Charlton Heston as Ben-Hur. Fuck. Fuck. All right. Best actress. Liz Taylor, Suddenly Last Summer. Audrey Hepburn, The Nun Story. Catherine Hepburn, Suddenly Last Summer. Wow, I should see that movie. Uh, Simone Signorette, Room at the Top. Doris Day, Pillow Talk. I love I'm going to make this watch. Hepburn. Sean. Uh, Catherine. Okay, and you say Doris Day? Doris Day, yeah. The answer is actually Simone Signore. Ah. Uh, room at the top. I knew, I knew it wasn't going to be Doris Day. I don't think Doris Day ever won an Oscar. This man? I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> that one always cracks me up. Uh, she, yeah, she's only been nominated. Yeah. Damn, damn good for her, though. Yeah. All right. Doris Day is the sex pistols of actors. The fuck? Sure. Never Let's, won any awards. <laughs> but the Sex Pistols like specifically won't go to the awards show. They're like, fuck you. Sex Pistols specifically suck. I w- saw an opportunity to say out loud in the English language into a microphone that Doris Day was the Sex Pistols of actors, and I took it, and I'm not sorry. You know what? Stand by it. I'm, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Please clap. <laughs> I gave that to myself. I know you did. That was an appropriate button, Tim. I was telling, yeah, I was, I was, te- you know, I was just saying that's for the viewers. Moving on. <laughs> Best director, Jack Clayton, Room at the Top. Clayton. Fred Zinneman, The Nun's Story. Billy Wilder, Some Like It Hot. William Wilder, Ben Hur. George Stevens, The Diary of Anne Frank. William Wilder. Which one was Wy- Ben Hur? Wyler. William Wyler. William Wyler. I'll take the I'll take the other Wilder. Billy Wilder. <laughs> Billy Wyler and William Wilder. These are, that's a tough. Those are tough. Billy Wilder, William Wyler. Billy Wilder, Bill. William Wyler. I'll Billy Wilder, Bill. William Wyler. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a drop now. Here you go. Yeah, the answer is William Wyler. And so said. <laughs> I knew it was going to be Ben Hur. Ben Hur. Fuck that movie. Best motion picture: The Nun's Story, The Diary of Anne Frank, Ben Hur, Anatomy of a Murder, Room at the Top. I didn't know they made an Anne Frank movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, George Stevens. We might watch it. Mm-hmm. Ben Hur. John? Anne Frank. The answer's Ben Hur. Ben Hur. Tim takes this one. Who knows? We never yeah. take scores. Yeah, because like he runs on the screen and he's like, Where you been? The guy's like, Ah, oh, Ben Hur. And then credits. Oh, uh, I thought it was the Chaz Bono Oof. story. <laughs> you should please clap for that one. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Sean. That was pretty good. Been her, been her before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's like, "Oh, where you been?" And he's like, "I've oh, been her." <laughs> <laughs> he's not amused because because he, he he wasn't anywhere. He was here. You know, I've okay. been her. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think I, I, <laughs> we're gonna have to move on to our uh, our random section of errata and miscellaneous because I, I think uh, we don't have much more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? Um. This movie was made in Egypt in the late 50s, and I've done done no research on any of this. So uh, 
Way to tell the audience. Yeah. <laughs> I love the juice guy. Oh yeah, juice, juice, juice guy. Juice, 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 juice. juice. His contraption <laughs> is, is cool. He is great. I thought it was coffee. Yeah. His contraption, contraption. Yeah. It, it reminds me of um the Batman Forever head thing. You know, it, the one that Riddler wears in Batman Forever? Oh jeez. Like a big hourglass yeah. on top of your head? Yeah, it it was kind of like somewhere between like an espresso machine and a hookah full of juice that like had a little nozzle on his belt that he was dispensing liquid from. Um, it, and he was just going around selling juice and then the lady came by and he was like really trying to sell her some juice hardcore and she wasn't having it. Oh, yeah, she, he kind of abused her. The, oh God, yeah. That was uh, like assault with juice. Um, the other thing I noticed that just stuck out to me was the use of Roman numerals. Uh, there were Roman numerals on the clock. There were Roman numerals on the, uh, the cars, kind of the, the, the train cars. Yeah, I mean, it just like, you know. The time and the place. You know, yeah, but, it's it's a, it's a universal thing. A lot of like everybody understands that sort of thing. But the, these are the people that invented Arabic numbers. Like Math. these are the numbers that we use. Are like Rome also invented true. by them. Like, Rome took over Egypt. Did oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Something there. I don't yeah, know. there's there's a weird thing there. But it's yeah, a, it just it just like historically, it felt weird to me that like there would be so many Roman numerals in the birthplace of actual numbers. Well, actual numbers, Western numbers, out of Arabic numbers. If I were the show, if I were the guest, the permanent guest that this host or that this show deserves, I would have done uh, some research on Egyptian uh, cinema. Did you pick this because you wanted to pick a movie from Egypt? Or, yeah, you know, kinda, honestly, or just, I'm I a country really, we haven't. Done. So I just I think that the most interesting thing about movies is people, and I think that the most interesting thing about anything is people. Fuck you know. People. Well, I mean, but like people are the reason that anything happened. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's interesting to study humans as like, uh, I was talking to Derek and I were talking the other day about, um, about our director's statements. You, you know how, uh, if you go to film school, you have to write a fucking director. It's the most pie in the sky bullshit. Right. Okay. Um, but, uh, Derek had mentioned his director's statement and I don't remember what it was. Cause whenever somebody else is speaking, I'm just kind of waiting for my turn to talk. We know. Um, uh, but, uh, I mentioned in my, in my director's statements, like, oh, I want to use film as a, as a means to study the human animal. But like the, the actual impetus behind that, like, I, you know, it's, it, I think it's interesting to study how like all other cultures kind of view cinema and view storytelling and view this and that and the other thing. And so sure. when, whenever I'm picking something, I usually try to, you know, it's like, oh, I wonder how, you know, so the the driving force behind this pick was just like, oh, I wonder how Egypt views this kind of movie or Egypt views, you know, like their version of a blockbuster in, in the late 50s, as opposed to everything else that we've been watching. And, it, it, you know, it was really interesting. It was, uh, it was a lot more new wave than a lot of like the 50s sort of, uh, or the, the like American uh movies that were coming out coming out around the same time that we watched on this show. Um I think you're right. I think on, like kind of like Sean said too on paper this is a really deep movie. It's not your you know your Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah, it's a great it, idea. It's nice also because you said it's an Egyptian no pun intended lens on some of these topics like misogyny, marriage, you know, whatever, yeah. love, you know, insanity really as yeah. a huge and it's, I don't know that they would call it misogyny so much as Wednesday. All right. 
Uh, I mean, it just, I, I didn't necessarily mean that to be a joke as much as like the sort of what we would call misogyny just seemed to be very fucking normal. Let's, like, uh, let's yeah. broaden uh-huh. it to uh, the relationship between men Abuse and women. more than just misogyny. Like oh, he sure. literally yeah, yeah. beat his fucking yeah. wife and then she's like, eh, I want to have sex. Okay. But yeah, I, I, that is part of misogyny. But yeah, I think I think that is you know for a long time there was even the argument that you couldn't be raped by your husband. Yeah, that's still an argument on some channels. You're right; it is still an argument on some backwards channels for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, it's it's interesting to show, and and um, it's interesting to show that bystander that we talked about that he was all excited about it. You know, he mm-hmm. was like, "Oh my god, I can't wait to see her get beat up." It was crazy. Well, yeah. he was also kind of the narc that was like crony. Well, he was the guy that kept trying to get the cops to fucking haul her away. So like, he had a vendetta against her already. He was happy to see her. That was legitimately selling the soda pops. Yeah. Um. He he was the guy with the cart. Oh, know? that's right. Yeah. I yeah. Forgot that it was. Yeah. He, yeah. He had a reason to not like her, not necessarily just cheer on wife beating, but he might have been cheering for both. Yeah. There's no way to know. Yeah. What do you think about that, Tim? As far as the uh... he's for wife beating. No. Well, when have you beaten your wife? <laughs> Uh, you mean, what, did that disturb you? Some of these, uh, relationship kind of things, the, the way they treat women in this movie, or did you think it was kind of progressive the way they showed some of the more modern? I thought that some of the more, mo- so like, it's sad to say that I wasn't surprised by anything that I saw. Okay. You know what, you know what I mean? Cause like, I just, I don't expect, so f- for anything made in this time, I don't expect it to have a very three dimensional view of women. Or like a very three-dimensional view of like relationship dynamics or like a healthy relationship dynamic. You know what I mean? So I wasn't surprised to see any of the more reductive stuff or like, you know, the guy beating up on the woman or something like that. And that just kind of not being that big of a, a of a an issue. I wasn't that surprised. I was more surprised to see, you know, so I was, I, I guess I... I chose to focus on like, oh, well, like this this particular part is more... Um, more progressive, and I wasn't expecting that. So, like, I don't, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a healthy thing to do or not. You know, I was definitely surprised because I, I, I saw that it was there. I just, you know, like I, I was focusing, I suppose, more on the, on the more positive aspects. Well, the, the one negative aspect that really fucked with me was when, um, sorry, Kinawi, Kinawi was, um basically just quickly looking at this one woman and she accused him of staring at her. And mm. then the, and then she started and she got her husband to come beat him up. And then the husband was pissed at the wife. He yeah. said, how dare you even show your face? Like you brought this on. Oh yeah. That, yeah. And that well, was, that was after he got in trouble though, though. So there's layers to that. Do you because, think he was a negative example? Well, no, I mean, well, there's, he, there's saving face kind of in a train there, uh, pun intended. Um, so, the wife goes to the husband and says, the 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 guy is staring at Quinoa is staring at me. And the guy immediately the, the guy immediately goes over to Quinoa and starts like Kinawi. fucking with him, about to beat his ass. And as he's beating his ass, the cops come over and they stop him from beating his ass. And they're like, Quinoa is kind of simple. Kinawi. Leave him alone. He's, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing this. Right. And then he turns to the wife and goes, Oh, no, it must be your fucking fault for showing your face. So, like, you know, it's it's more of the I saw it more as buck passing uh, than Well, that is <sighs> 
it's um, you're, you're absolutely correct. You're, I, I think it is safe. There's more of a layer to it, but yes, you're. But I think you, yeah. Now that you say it, it's very, very, very apt because that is. Um, I don't want to do this because it's it's portraying Islam in a bad light, but it is honor killing. Mm. You know, it is saying you know yeah, yeah. you were raped, but we're going to punish person, the woman who was raped. Yeah. Um, which is not specifically a Muslim that is, thing. That, that, yeah, I was going to say that is not unique to that culture. I, I know it's not, it, but I th- but it is. It's it is a part that, of it. It the, is part it, of it. That it's still most prevalent in. It is not. Um, it is not I, unique to the culture. Yeah, Christianity has Vic, certainly a yeah, culture yeah, of it and like, a history of nobody's, it. Nobody's nobody's got a copyright on victim blaming. Right, right. Um, but there <laughs> is. Uh, there are certainly countries currently that govern themselves according to these laws that make that acceptable still under this specific religion. I wonder what the Egyptian government was like in this era. uh, This was right around the fucking- It seems like it's right before the time where they had Nasser, which was their big dictator. Okay. Um, I think that was 70s. So I think this is like their opening Western period. This is before they invaded Israel. How how was Egypt affected by World War II? Which, which time? <laughs> well, I, it, <laughs> Suez Crisis was in '56, so that was a okay, big, big deal. Um, which was yeah, a, a, a whole world kind of came in on Egypt and basically picked sides. So Egypt was a proxy. And battle when was this? '56, '57. Whoa! So that was you know, and that was pretty much Russia and the U.S. kind of as a proxy war kind of thing. Hmm. Similar to Korean War and or Vietnam, even. That's really interesting. Wow! But then. How was how was uh, how was Egypt affected by World War II? Do you know? Well, they fought for um, the Allies with with the, with England with whom with the UK? Oh, with the UK because the UK was fighting oh, the Nazis they, in North they, Africa and, and, and owned, Rommel. Yeah, because it was a colony at that point. Sure. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Fucked up, but true. Yeah, and then and then basically after World War II, UK basically got rid of those colonies uh, yeah. and, and said Israel's their own state. You know, all this whole bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yada 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 yada. We have all the problems in the Middle East today. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for drawing whatever borders you want, UK. You suck. Yeah, exactly. British yeah. Empire, really. Oh, yeah, this is a border. This is a country now. And then a bunch of people were like, wait, what? Yeah. This I, is where we lived. It work. was pretty much just a bunch of drunk dudes at a bar that like drew those lines arbitrarily, right? Pretty much. The, 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 <laughs> I'm yeah, very history. ignorant to this, uh, to this particular like bit. Like, I, would, I would love to hear more about it. Uh, not now. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe or, if we uh, resurrect Politankering, you can hop over there at some point. That would uh, actually be a dope episode. <laughs> I would do that. Sure. Um, um, but uh, any other errata, gentlemen? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh. Uh-uh. I wanted to discuss insanity. Mm. Um, oh, and, you know, and, and, and it is always illness. interesting to see the way that mental illness gets treated. Um, because everybody seemed to kind of—he was the affable, crazy guy at, at first. first. Yeah. You know, and nobody treated, and it was kind of accepted. Where, like, do you think that? Do you think that that would have been seen that way? And like, like, how do you think that character would have been treated in that place in his arc in an American movie at that time? He'd be homeless. He'd be on Skid Row. Do you think it'd be like a Harvey kind of a thing? No. Like, wouldn't be cute. No, no. At this point, yeah, he'd be he'd be literally on Skid Row. He'd probably be on meth or heroin and he would probably uh i saw a uh a story in the news a couple of days ago about a homeless woman that just decided to set the tent on fire of a couple other homeless dudes she didn't like um i have a feeling that that would be 
about where he'd be. Um, you know, just kind of scrapping on the streets for whatever fucking pocket well, I mean, he could that's find. That's kind of where he is. Right. But that seemed like a much more uh, community driven or focused uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is um, also much more of a theater piece. And ex- you're kind of, like, yeah, yeah. you got, you got a documentary film going true, true. on over there yeah. in your analogy. Yeah. Well, what's interesting here is there's not other homeless people. I mean, it's, there's some poor people we see, but we don't see other homeless characters. Everybody in this in this film kind of like, is well. Everybody's an archetype, right? Yeah. I was gonna say he's like Oscar the Grouch. Well, yeah. he is. You know? I mean, like, and it it it. Uh, I, I I wish I could remember the name of this like Mexican children's show. Um, because every like every character in this is like it's like Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, right? You know, every character is an archetype and they all mean something. And this movie is like that, you know. Shining Time Station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except it's not very shiny. What's Shining Time Station? Uh, it was in a kid's show. Rogers? I miss George Carlin. Yeah, with George Carlin. He was the uh, the conductor. Oh, man. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. He got replaced by Ringo Starr. There go. Holy shit. You're right. Yeah. Wow, that, Fuck Ringo, I you know. didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Ringo was fine. I was watching this clip the other day of uh, somebody asking, like, oh, do you think Ringo's the best drummer in the world? To the Beatles, yeah. at, like, in their heyday, and they're like, Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, that's so true. So yeah. fucked up. Ringo man. is like the Jimmy Fallon of music. <laughs> He's just, like, so glad to be there that everybody's totally. like, all right, he can stay. Nope. I don't want to start a whole thing oh, here. Who gets the last laugh? Fuck. Yeah, uh, true. I, yeah. I really like Ra- I really like Ringo. I, th- I don't like that you said that. Yeah, mm. fuck Ringo, man. Fuck Octopus's Garden. Ugh. Abbey Road is such a great record, and Octopus's Garden ruins it. I it's, like to be under the Octo- Like if Abbey Road was a fruit salad and it was just delicious, Octopus's Garden would be grapefruit. That's an no. old Gary Goleman joke. Gary Goleman. Gary Goleman. <laughs> well, he knows. This? Sat fruit salads like yeah. no one else. You playing the Borscht Belt? A listener, of course. What? You playing the Borscht Belt now? The Borscht Belt? Yeah. Yes, a little bit. First of all, I like grapefruit. There's nothing wrong with grapefruit. Grapefruit, oh, grapefruit is disgusting. Grapefruit ruins a fruit salad. Wonderful. I've never no, seen grapefruit in a fruit salad. Like it, like a the, lot. Some people do it. It's just wrong. Delightfully tart. No, it's disgusting. Okay, so. <laughs> I thought in this movie, the portrayal of mental illness was really, really bad. Uh, it was okay, I guess, for the time. Okay, but let's just try to just All take it for what it is. All portrayals of mental illness at this time are really bad. I understand, thing, but let's take it for thing, what it is. It's such an interesting thing to look at art from like yesteryear because mental health is such a new science, you know? Okay, how so? so? What? How so? This is like, no, I mean, just like looking back at this, this is the extent of knowledge on, on mental health, pretty much. You know, it's the extent of, of the discussion. Lock them up, put them away. Yeah. Yeah, they're all dangerous eventually, and lock them up and put them away. Yeah. I think that was what disturbed me uh, about yeah. this, was, was not only that they just lock them up and put them away was the solution, but that eventually all insanity or all mental illness turns to violence. I wish I could be as disturbed by this stuff as you. Cause like it is disturbed. disturbing. I'm it's just... like not a, like it's a horrible thing, but like also like none of this stuff surprised me at all. It's not about being surprised. It's about taking it on its merits. So I'm looking at it and saying, okay, what is this portraying for the audience? If I was an impressionable person in the 1958 and I saw this movie, how would it make me, how would it change my mind towards people of- Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, fear, fear, poverty, stricken, crazy people. 
yeah. So if I if I saw this movie and then I, I saw walked down the street and I saw a crazy homeless person, would I feel differently? Yes. Yeah. It definitely, it would fuck me yeah. up. It would make me have very little sympathy for them and find them scary and crazy. Yeah. This movie's classist propaganda. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially with the labor unions. Yeah, I'm too. not going to argue. Like, yeah. All right. Um, what do you think, Sean, about the portrayal of mental illness? Am I am I way off base here? And um, it's it's one of those things that it's it's really hard, especially within that like ten to twenty year time span, because this is the the time when really society starts to get woke about the ramifications of mental health. Like literally it can almost be pinpointed to the release date of one flew over the cuckoo's nest as to how we feel and how we felt as a country about fucking mental illness. And like before that movie, this was just the general sort of thought is that, you know, these people are crazy. They're probably violent. We should just lock them up. You know, they're, they're okay and cute until they get violent, but watch out. They could turn violent at any time. So, you know, we always have to be weary. And I mean, as far as, you know, advice to your kids, like that's, not bad advice. Like living in LA, if I had children, like, and I was to advise them about what to do when they see crazy homeless people on the street, like my advice is not going to be go up and try and befriend them. I agree. Okay. So uh, let me just take that for one quick second. Sorry. I think that yes, on a personal level, you're right. Um, But it's not more about that. It's about like, when you grow older, are you going to start a charity to help homeless people? Or are you going to be, no, that's why they're gross. They're scary or something like that, you know, or, or like when you, I know this is extrapolating, but I think that, you know, it's about, it's not about personal necessarily one-on-one. It's how the mental illness, the mental illness in the community is viewed. But to me, to me, that's all the same. So if, you know, like, like what I'm saying is that I understand this perspective of the movie. I'm not saying that it's right and that's what we should be teaching their chil- our children. What I'm saying that is like a very safe and a sort of um, nurturing instinct to try and teach your children to protect themselves. That is going to, you know, um, filter its way up through all of that thinking though. Because if you are raised with this sort of thinking, then yes, when you do become an adult, you are going to be less likely to start that charity. You are going to be less likely to go volunteer at the homeless shelter because you do, yes, see these people as possibly violent, possibly others that are, you know, most likely going to hurt you more than do anything to either benefit you or benefit society. The whole thing with the one flew over the cuckoo's nest is basically that we just kind of saw that like what we were doing there was... Causing more harm than good, essentially. We were, you know, taking these people and locking them away without really any due recourse or any sort of, um, you know, process or um, uh, uh, I should say due process. So it's, it, it is still not to the point where we know what to do with homeless, like, or I'm sorry, with, I should say, um, uh, mentally infirmed in that, like, we 
we haven't had a new societal mental revolution since that one flew over the cuckoo's nest moment. We all decided that, you know, mental institutions were bad and Reagan closed down all the mental institutions in California and they never did anything about it after that. So we still like societally don't have any idea what we're doing or where we're going. And I think you bring up a great point because you bring it to modern times. And I think as you were talking, I was thinking about why I'm so sensitive to it right now. And yes, it, I think it's because I'm seeing a lot of stuff because of the um, the, the mass shootings. So a lot of the, the tendency is to blame it on mental illness. Mm. So I see a lot of that and saying, and that further stigmatizes it in terms of mental illness leads to violence, mm-hmm. um, which I think is is a big topic now. We're talking about red flag laws. Even Trump this past week was talking about clearing out the Skid Row in LA. You know, so it, it's it's a definite topic still all going. And you're right. I don't think we really changed our mindset since those like deinstitution days of the '80s. So we're going to have to re look look at this again as a different approach. I think we're going to have to take a softer hand. We have to start taking a, like a less of a penitentiary and more of a rehabilitation kind of thing. I mean, to me, the big problem is that no one agrees on what to do. And so, you know, there are, well, I mean, especially if we're talking about just the homeless thing in general, there is such a spectrum of homelessness. You know, there are the people are that are um, having mental issues and substance abuse issues that can't be kept indoors. And then they runs the whole gamut to like a mother and her children living in their car. You know, there, there is a certain level of mental illness throughout pretty much all of that spectrum for the most part, but each of those things need to be handled with a certain amount of nuance when we decide that all of, you know, basically if we take a monolithic approach to any problem, it is a bad way of solving problems. Yeah, you're right. Um, I do agree with everything you say. And I, quickly, I just want to remind me of, of a charity I wanted You've to You've agreed with me way too much today. This it's been is really weird. fucking freaking It's been weird, out, I know. I, I usually like to mention that I feel bad about agreeing with you, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I'll let it go. The, uh, the website I want to pump right now, justiceforvets.org, is a really good treatment court. So what they do is um, if there's vets that come home and they have any drug problems, instead of, you know, it's an, basically an alternative uh, punishment. Instead of going to, you know, jail, they have this, this treatment, this out of, you know, Whatever. It's a better program. It's, you know, it's a treatment program and rehabilitation program. So anyways, check out that charity. I like it. Donate yeah. It's one of my favorites. Justice for Vets. Yeah, the government hooked you on ketamine. So rather than go to prison, <laughs> we're going to send you to this voluntar- involuntary program. Ketamine? What? They, the, or, well, yeah, they, 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 they give them all, no, they give them all sorts of crazy shit to try and deal with their PTSD. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard mushrooms and ec- ecstasy or things. Uh, that's, where that's, ec- that's a new thing. You well, know? that's where I, ecstasy came from. I didn't know that that's where ecstasy came from. I know that they're starting to like do trials with with uh, with uh, psilocybin mm. um, to like help people with PTSD kind of like see outside of their yeah. like, mental boundaries and so on and so forth. Um, somebody I know, uh, somebody, I forget what her name is. Um, uh, oh, we don't want to say her name on the... Yeah. Okay. So. No. Person X. Yeah. Person. Well, no, I mean, she probably would love the PR. She does like a show on like the healing powers of psychedelics. Um, okay. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. I, the thing is, is, I just can't remember the name of the show. Her ah. name's Marisa Sturtz. I don't know if that helps anybody, but uh, she, she does like work with like psychedelics and stuff like that. And I talked to her. 
uh, in passing about that from time to time. It's uh, interesting stuff. I don't really understand how it all goes down. Well, that's brain stuff. No one really understands. That's, that's the kind thing. of the whole yeah. problem. No one understands <laughs> any of it. Yeah, not even with not even with like uh, uh, antidepressants. You know, it's like well, how does it work? Exactly. Yeah, that is the the huge problem with all of that stuff, and that's why no one agrees on what really should be done with these people. Because like, you know, at what point does your personhood revert to the responsibility of the government. You know, at what point do we say, no, you're no longer capable of making your own decisions and we're going to drug you for your own good until you get conscious enough to actually make decisions and we can allow you to do what you mm. think you want to do. But now that you're a drugged up individual, is this actually what you wanted to do or just what we drugged you into thinking you want to do? There's a, you know, just a whole sort of it's hard to free make will fucking, run, you know? yeah, exactly. Like where's the, the line between actual free will and being, a, a I don't know, a free society. Yeah. I don't so, know, guys. It's a very pluralistic issue. Yeah. This film takes a very singular view upon it. Very much so. Uh, and that has been some errata. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some fucking It errata. has. Now, unfortunately, we don't have Derek, so we're not going to do our reviews. Bummer. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Viewership spikes. <laughs> All right, so we're just going to go to our final reviews, our personal reviews. If you are reviews. viewing this, you are on mushrooms. Yeah, if you're listening to this... <laughs> Derek, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's not listening. He, mm. he turned off way earlier. You think so? Yeah. I really feel like Derek might listen to the whole episode. I don't think he's listened to an, any whole episode. Really? Yeah. No, no I know Wheeler probably listens to whole episodes. <laughs> no way. No, like in a jealous rage in traffic? I bet he does. No way. He doesn't mm. give a shit. Nah, he doesn't even listen to TBC. Eric gives so much of a shit. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm. Eric talks to me about... TBC episodes out of the blue, and I never know what he's talking about, even though he's talking about an episode that I was on. Mm. He'll he'll like shout something out from an episode, and it's like fucking what? I don't. <laughs> he he, avid listener, <laughs> avid listener, Eric Wheeler. Mm. Been called out, Eric. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe prove us wrong. Come on the podcast and no, because see if he hears this exactly, he's that's gonna be the, like, well, no, I can never. That's the catch twenty two. Yeah. Thing of this stuff. Because Eric Wheeler is the coolest person that ever lived. Eric Wheeler is like a human skateboard, man. So that's your review? <laughs> this movie? My review will come at the end <laughs> when my review comes. And also, my review, I feel like I may have also applied the same review to another movie. No one knows. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter. Sean? Yeah. We're going to you. Yeah. Tell us. Review. Mm. Two out of five. Okay. Yeah. Why do you say that? Well, like I said, on paper, there's some good stuff in there. Like the structure works. Like I'd almost want to break this down structurally and write it as a modern movie. And I think it could be like a really good movie. Um, but the, what I sat through was not really good. And it was kind of all over the place with different styles of acting. And I didn't care about any of the characters, but like, there was interesting stuff kind of happening through most of it. So I didn't like hate it, but I didn't really enjoy it. Two stars. <laughs> uh, I forget the movie we watched that uh, Derek loved, the French director with all the people in the mansion. What was that one called? Oh, oh the, uh, the Rules of the Game. Rules yeah. of the Game. Of the this game. reminded me of a, of a, shittier, uh, of a, yeah, of a shittier version of that. Of. Like that, that 
movie had more time. And I think that's the biggest deal here. I think this movie is just simply too short for the, what it tries to do. Um, it does have great ideas and it really does yeah. try to make you think about different things, different aspects. It's multifaceted. It looks at the approach of the train station as a whole and how people, no, it's a study of people, as Tim says. So I think it's really cool in, in itself and on paper, but it simply isn't executed. It doesn't have enough time for these characters to be fully fleshed out. Some of them are. K Kinoe is definitely fleshed out, but the other ones, don't really do too much. And even in that sense, the most fleshed out character just turns out to be a psycho killer. So it Man. really doesn't do too much there. Um, and in general, the, I know this is just me, the sound is distracting. Yeah. <laughs> the the actual listening to the actual dialogue aesthetically is really not fun. It's, it's just very scratchy and edgy and clippy and peaky. And it bugs me. So um, I'm going to give this a five out of 10. It still has some good stuff. It actually has some interesting shots to me um, and some cool music. I love that musical scene when they're on the train. So it's it's got some cool parts, but overall, not really. Uh, you can miss this one if you have to. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, Tim. I would agree with I would agree with that. Uh, I think this movie is a great song sung terribly. Um, it, it was just, it, it just, was not well done um but it the the space that it chooses to inhabit though is great space cinematically <laughs> but, it's like jazz man you listen to the notes they don't play <laughs> <laughs> no i mean like philosophically this is a super interesting movie you know and you guys said it like on paper it's great the chord structure the, is amazing but they don't know yeah. how to play a solo 100 man like grunge music's excellent but like screaming weasel sucks <laughs> okay no i don't know that that's not even that great of a an analogy but uh uh yeah no great song sung terribly uh it was uh i really like all of the individual ingredients of this movie a lot and i don't see people cooking with these ingredients in a lot of movies that were contemporarily made mm. you know like this was a really interesting like piece from the standpoint of uh like Who's going to be your main character? Oh, let's make it the villain. And then let's make the villain a sympathetic character yeah. and then slowly try to shoot. You know, you don't see that kind of arc yeah. with a lot of movies from this period. So the, that was awesome, man. You know, so a lot of the ingredients in this were great, but like somebody really fucked up cooking it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was a, lot of, a lot of great pieces assembled very poorly. Hmm. Um, without sounding too patronizing here, I, I am glad you picked uh, an African country or Egypt. You know, just the fact that it's Egypt is just really cool. We have we're not going to be able to watch a lot of African films, so I like that. You know, you picked a few. We picked one. Well, is that I, yeah, the, patronizing. No, I was just questioning calling it an African film. I realize Egypt is in the continent of Africa, but like, isn't it more Middle considered East. a Middle Eastern country? Like, yes, you can kind of both. Yeah, I, ju I just feel like it, I don't think if we were to say the term African cinema that this movie would fall under that heading. This is, yeah. Okay. Very I don't much know. more of that. I don't really know much. I wish I knew more, but I. Well, I it just, Egypt's culture is much more Arabic. That's what I mean, yeah. Than, uh, like, you know, it's not like Congolese, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but don't forget, there's a lot I of- I really hope that that wasn't racist. Well, no, just, I, I think I was way it, more I, racist. I mean, like, I think there's just, um, weird, if you guys are forgetting, there's a lot of North African countries that are similarly- Well, yeah, like, Muslim you know, majority. Morocco and 
Tunisia, Libya, Tunisia, Algeria. Libya. Right. But I mean, to me, it's the same thing as like North America is technically Canada, uh, US and Mexico, but yeah. it's really Canada but, and America. It's just, I think like, we just look at Egypt a little differently because well, it's, it's just culturally diver- a, a cultural division versus a geographic decision. Yeah. Division. Yes, they are on the same continent, but culturally, well, but I don't think Well, what he was trying are, to yeah. say is, you know, just looking or like choosing to try and watch different cultures expression of cinema yeah listen if you, you know, if you were to say to me that this is representative of all african cinema i would say probably not i would say not either but, but it's it's a view into the world that yusuf shaheen lived in right and that's what i wanted to watch and that's actually what i found like i i i couldn't really empathize with you guys thinking that the bo- or that the beginning of the film was annoying or anything like that it was very cookie cutter and i saw it as that but like what i was watching for really was you know just like a view into the the world that this movie was made in. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I think that that's super interesting. I think it is. I I, I think it's all, uh, just a little bit of a lower bar. I you know I I, I yeah. it's a view. Yeah, absolutely. I, did set the I just bar need a little low. bit. I just need a little bit more. I need these yeah. characters to be more fleshed out. Yeah, I d- I did set the bar pretty low for this, yeah. and I don't really know what that means. I don't know what that says about me or whatever. But uh, um, I wasn't ex- subtle racism of lower expectations. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> honestly, you know, I, I don't know. I, I have to do a deep think about. You that. also did pick it, so I think you have a thing when you when you pick a movie. It's called white guilt. No, you just no, want it to no, be good. Just bias and yeah. wanting it to be good and wanting to like oh, enjoy yeah, yeah. the the movie that I picked. Um, but also, I did generally just genuinely enjoy it. I wasn't expecting this to be such a such a like a you know Norman Bates. Story. When I pick movies, I think, what's Tim going to hate? Oh, I also do choose foreign films exclusively just because Sean hates them. Yeah. It's fair. Also, you guys have the American market covered. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I want to pick a foreign film once in a while. Do so. But anyway, next week, we're not watching a foreign film. What are we watching next week? We're watching... Buster Keaton's The General. Nice. Christ. Buster Keaton, guys. I think it's time we watched a silent film, one of the greats. Mm. I'm excited to watch some Sound amazing guy stunts. Sound a silent movie, all right? I know. But I really do love good stunts, too. Yeah, man. So I'm he's, on board. He's the king. He's the king. So we're going to watch The General, Buster Keaton. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think of the Egyptian stunt choreography? Yeah, we talked about how horrible it was and how much it needs sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Just play it backwards. It works. Maybe. Yeah. It's jazz, man. Yeah. All right. Any other plugs before we uh, get out of here? It's jazz. Yeah. Uh, go to my uh, art Instagram and like it, and then tell somebody with a gallery to be like, hey, we're going to give you money to buy paint. Uh, you you want to just put screens up and display your Instagram? No. Yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's the marketing technique we all learned to love. Instagram? <laughs> No, his technique. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Forgetting real, his Instagram page. Yeah, it's real good. Yeah. Speaking of marketing, check out all the shows on the Fantastic Podcast Network. We got text before calling. Literally literary going down on South Park. Power tinkering. Wild Wild West World. And I think, oh yeah, this show that you're already listening to. Celluloid. Breakdown in my Break hand. Mm. The most magnificent mug that I have ever countenanced. Mm. And it's emblazoned with the Podcast Studios uh uh, PDF. 
It's called a logo, sir. Logo. <laughs> yeah, you millennial bitch. <laughs> and all of our hit shows, and you can buy this on the internet at a website that Sean's set up. And if Fallcast. you're listening, .com. it's a clickable button somewhere. Yep. Fallcast. If you go to thawcast.com, you can click on the store button and that'll bring yeah. you right to all the options. We got shirts, we got uh, hoodies, we got mugs, we got all sorts of crap with our name on it. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, it goes to support the show. If you want to just support the show without getting crap, you can go over to uh, patreon.com slash fallcast and just donate directly to us. And, uh, you know, if you're not going to donate, at least tell someone. Tell a friend. Tell, tell an a enemy, friend. Tell someone that you... Tweet out, they, tweet, tweet about it? Yeah, twat us. Uh -huh. uh, send out the twats and let it, people yeah. know that this is the show that is the show you for the show. You can send me direct messages on Instagram, and I'll probably reply because I don't get any direct messages mm. on Instagram. It's true. Oh, yeah, you can tweet me. Yeah, at, see, yeah I'm not available on Twitter, so... Uh, let me give you my Twitter, at J-O-E-B-O-N-I-E-R. You can tweet me anytime. I love the hate mail. Mm. Favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get any. I'll probably send you pictures of my dong if you DM me on Instagram at timothy.j.snow. Careful with that. There's that dude that just got in trouble for that. If you're above 18, I'll there send you, you pictures yep. of my dong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other podcasts we should listen to, Tim? Probably. Probably. Oh, it would be good for people to to better themselves, to culture themselves, to listen to Jamie Jeffers' British History Podcast, which, of course, covers British history Covers. The Ice Age to World War II, and I'm currently, shortly after the death of King Ethelbert, it was crazy. It was a whole battle. He died on a riverbank. It was fucking nuts. Ethelbert, off the uh, chain. Off Spoilers. the chain. Off the chain. Well, uh, everybody dies, Sean. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's great. I, I have not been listening to it very much lately. I probably listen to this podcast the most. Of any podcast. Cellular Breakdown? Yeah. I listen to Cellular Breakdown uh, while I'm working. Narcissist. On the weekends. Yeah. Um, I play it while uh, while I work on the light kits. Mm. That's fun. Yeah. So mm. I fix film lights on the weekends and I listen to our podcast because it's so damn good. And you should probably tell your friends, listener. Well, it's a great education you got there. Yeah. You're learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. not applying anything I learn. No? No. My recommendation for this week is do not go see It Chapter 2. Oh, yeah. Man. My recommendation is that I should go see more movies because uh, I've gotten two tickets to Good Boys this week that I, <laughs> that I have not gone to see. AMC loves you. I have not gone to see uh, that either time. So. And I don't see movies because I'm afraid of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Joey, Joey doesn't like crowds. Joey, no, I'm you the went biggest... to see a movie with me once. What I'm the biggest fucking hermit. How is it I can tolerate this shit? And you yeah, guys no. are fucking How come it, it we don't us. have a movie club? We all have the fucking AMC A-list thing. And also, it would be great fodder for the show. Movie club? I'm there three times a week. I don't know what the fuck you Why guys are doing. Why don't we coordinate this shit? No, that's part of the problem, man. If I try and coordinate, we'll never see anything. Go see some goddamn movies, you lazy fucks. I'll go see whatever you're watching. Just let me know when you're going to the movies. Bye.